All right, here I am in Nashville again, all the way through the weekend, and I hope you'll come down and see us at the Sheridan Music City Hotel, not far from the Nashville Airport, um, broadcasting from the uh, suite again. And then uh, they're setting up down there for the event. Uh, there's the Nurses Freedom Network going on today. There's some chiropractic stuff going on today. And then tomorrow and Sunday, uh, for those of you who know, it's the 28th of uh, April. Yeah, 2023, when we're going live today. Uh, we've got Michael Bolden scheduled from the 10th Amendment Center for hour two in the midst of his back issues. And Dr. Andrea Nazarenko uh, from the Treehouse Living for Happy, Healthy, Holistic Families is also here at this event. And she may join us in the first hour. But first up, the fight for freedom is not over. It's only just begun. What does that mean? I think I'm going to have to pull this article apart, apart from the Brownstone Institute, I think, uh, as we start up today's show, because you know how much I love freedom. So let's start there, shall we? Tell your friends the place for health, freedom, and healing liberty is about to begin. Go to robertscottbell.com slash listen. Uh, be part of the chat room. Let us know what you're doing, how you're doing, and all that heading into the weekend. And hope to see you here in Nashville while we're still here. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining in. Let's get this healing party started now. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, back in back in my Nashville studio. You can clean the room while I'm here. I'm, I'm just doing my broadcast. Uh, <laughs> it's the uh, suite for the Health and Freedom Summit and Expo. Uh, Doctors Terry and Stu Warner are putting on, and they're still setting up downstairs. A lot of booths put, being put together. The Nurse Freedom Network is going on. Uh, what else we got going on? The chiropractic conference today is going on and the autism uh, wing. There's so much happening. I just, I couldn't get down there in the midst of it because it's still kind of chaotic. So I'm in my, in the room and and it's being cleaned, right? As you speak, as we speak. So you see that Super D? <laughs> I, my wife wishes I had this kind of service at home. Yes, exactly. And you, <laughs> Grandpa Super Don, are having to monitor your grandbaby today. Of yeah, I'm going to have to step away here in a few minutes, but uh, uh, I wanted to at least pop in here in the beginning kind yeah. of funny to see somebody uh, uh making your bed in the background while you're doing I the show. I timed it more perfectly you knew i was going on the air and she joined me and uh that, that's <laughs> fine uh busy hotel i think it's sold out with all this conference stuff going on here so she that's a nice room though. you got there yeah they uh the warners like a were suite. Nice. yeah they gave they gave me a nice suite so i can uh, do the broadcasts and and uh I, I can't complain, uh, you know, nice. in this regard. So uh, we're doing well. Yesterday was great with John Hewlett and uh, Jonathan Emord and everything else we did yesterday. And John yeah. Hewlett is so fired up about Emord. It's so much fun to see. I was like, John, I was trying to tell you about Jonathan. He's like, oh, I get it now. I know what you were saying. So nice. that was a whole lot of fun. And uh, today uh, we have uh, scheduled uh, from California in the second hour, uh, our good friend Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center. So we're always excited right. about having him on for a conversation. Super Don's going to be a bit distracted unless your little one takes a nap or or has she been napping? What's going on? She is. I think she's she's about to wake up. So oh, she's, okay. she's so, had a, been, been out uh, for about an hour and a half now. I can't count on you today, buddy. At least to be alive. I'll long. be around. It's not like I'm just going to leave. I mean, I'll oh, no, have no, no, things the, going. The, the on-air personality and rock star. That not you so much today. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so uh, I'll have to say, where's my Super Don? I'll remember now. 
uh, Dr. Andrea Nazarenko. Uh, I think Susie Corgan has connected us and uh, she does some stuff. Uh, it's called the Treehouse Living for Happy, Healthy, and Holistic Families. So we'll learn about that this hour as well. Treehouse Living. What yeah. is that all about? Dude, don't you remember, did you ever make a treehouse when you were a kid? No, I never had. I, I, I had friends that, that had them. You had no my, trees? My dad was not handy enough to make a treehouse. No, no, you were supposed to make it, not your dad. Yeah, no. We did that. We made some trees. I would have gotten distracted and started beating what? something with a hammer or something. Yeah. Okay. You're very hurt myself. Very All right. Well, Which I anyway, still well, do, by the way, apparently. You still, oh, yeah, but you're recovering. Have you? Um, it is, dude. It's all, I haven't put the, the pictures together yet, okay. but uh, yeah. Maybe we'll I mean, do that for Tuesday's show. It's, it's healed like nicely. Yeah. I think Tuesday show will be great to show you the gross out, slice the thumb, and then watch the recovery. <sighs> the first picture is just like, Ugh. I know. We'll we'll have like a you, you need to make like a warning slide if you if you are <laughs> eating lunch right now, don't look that kind of thing. Uh, but your discretion news, is advised. That's it. It's good that's news it. though because the recovery has been so rapid and beautiful. So I can't wait to see that. So let's try to make it for Tuesday's show. I'm already planning ahead for next week. All right. Gross yeah. finger, gross thumb on on Tuesday. The gross thumb show. All right. All right. I like it. We've got the headline for it. That's cool. Um, I want to talk about the fight for freedom. Uh, there's an article for uh, I think this is from Brownstone Institute, and um, you know, I, I read it and then we had it reviewed by chat GPT, super Don courtesy of super Don. <laughs> and, uh, uh, it was, uh, well, it, it was, it's a, it's fine, but it's, there's nothing really that jumps out at me other than me asking the question, what kind of freedom are we fighting for? Right. We know that the, uh, the, the denigration or the degradation away from freedom has been to hyphenate freedom. And I'm guilty of it too, because, you know, we talk about health freedom and, you know, we have that, that collectible coin or, or that silver round super Don, you know, mm -hmm. it's like uh, health freedom, your first freedom, because without health freedom, and that it goes into the bodily autonomy issue. There is no freedom, right? right? If you can't decide what to put in your body or not, what not to, if the government claims ownership over you, then how are you free? That's another form of slavery. And, and, I, and I know that can be offensive to some who say, well, slavery means I'm on a plantation and I happen to be, you know, have Guess a lot what? There was slavery before then. Well, yeah, I, I just want to broaden that concept of slavery. And it shouldn't have to be broadened to that. But the definition is if somebody claims ownership over you, yeah. that can dictate to you what you can and can't do when and when when or when you can't do it. And, sure. all of that. and so. I don't think it's diminishing the slavery that existed in, in America and the South no. to say that it's just another matter. To me, it would be the same thing as somebody using the word Holocaust. Mm -hmm. It's a noun. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, I mean, what is it? A capital H Holocaust? You know, I mean, you have to differentiate, well, I guess. The but, or A, the or A. And yeah, yeah, we've talked about that too in terms of uh, people that get annoyed uh, if they be of the Jewish faith, whatever. You can't use the Holocaust. And we've had Jews argue against me and my Jewish heritage because I've said, you know, we don't own the Holocaust. The, I mean, there are other people that, that died. It doesn't diminish the Jews that died. And, and I say that, you know, with my Jewish heritage intact. Uh, but the idea of slavery only being one thing is also another construct, an emotional construct causing knee-jerk reaction. By the way, shout out to David King in Wisconsin. Hi, brother. Love to see you. Get you back on the show someday. Uh, and Leslie's there in the audience. Fantastic Friday to all. Uh, so uh, 
as I talk about this issue of freedom, the question becomes in terms of hyphenating freedom. Uh, one of the words used in here is justice, right? Isn't it? They use the social term, justice, social justice. Yes. And, you know, if I think about uh, the, the, the foundation for America, was it founded on what's known as social justice uh, or was it uh, justice for all? And, and is there a distinct difference? Because I think there is. Uh, when we think about the origins of America, most came to America to flee tyranny, various forms of tyranny, including and maybe especially religious tyranny. That is, the king, the crown of England said, you must be this kind of Christian, for instance. Or, you you know, and, and you know, we can look at other faiths if we talk about the, you know, different varying aspects of crusades or, um, you know, uh, convert or die, beheadings, that kind of thing. Um these are various forms of justice. In those cases, they believe it is justice to either have you convert or I kill you. I mean, that's obviously an extreme example. But in terms of social justice, as it relates to freedom, uh, when we come to America, if we go back to the foundations of it, you know, whether they be, you know, various pilgrims, uh, different uh, religious sects or beliefs, it was to escape religious persecution and prosecution and tyranny. It was it was them wanting to come to a place where they had the freedom to live as they believed and to worship as they believed without coercion uh, or or criminal or repercussions by the state saying, no, 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 you can't because the official religion of our country is this fill in the blank. And, and you know, the concern for the people that are not religious, for instance, in this context, is that you're afraid of people who are religious getting into government because you're afraid they want to set up a theocracy. But anybody who knows history of government on planet Earth and is religious as a person of faith would know that that would be the worst thing to do to establish a theocracy because you know when when the power shift happens as inevitably all these things do somebody else gets in power and says i don't like that belief system so i'm going to establish this next belief system and it's not going to be yours and i've said as well about america as much as uh you know we believe in religious freedom here i think many of us and most of us do the united states government has established a state religion and it has been a long since established a state religion, and it's not Christianity, it's not Judaism, it's not Islam, it's not Buddhism, it, name it, it's not that. It's the Church of Pharmaceutical Mysticism. It's modern medicine. If you, did you doubt me, you look at what the, you know, the institutions have invested in mandating COVID jabs and before that all other vaccines. And if you for some, some reason don't take the, the shot, and I call it sacrament in the church of pharmaceutical mysticism, somehow now you must be relegated to a lesser status or you must lose your freedom. And under the COVID uh, mandates based on emergency rule, which doesn't exist in terms of an escape clause in our constitution, you don't get to say, hey, it's an emergency. And, you know, Jonathan Emore talked about it. Many others have talked about it. They had many pandemics and epidemics during the fight for the, you know, the war for the Revolutionary War, much less the establishment of the Constitution after the Articles of Confederation. And they, they knowing that there were smallpox, there was this, there was a lot of things, they didn't write in the Constitution except in case of disease of any kind. Then all that we say that limits government and maximizes freedom should be discarded. And now the government can minimize freedom based on what they say you must do, behaviorally speaking. Isolate yourself, vaccinate yourself, wear a mask over your face, etc. So when we talk about the fight for freedom, it's not social justice. Social justice is an artificial construct uh, made by men who want to rule over certain of you by granting special privileges that they'll cause call rights to certain groups 
that are now in favor, not for the benefit of everybody, but for the unique benefit or perceived benefit of that small group. Like you, you think about all the bizarreness about, you know, when I was on the airplane coming over uh, uh, out west to, to, to Nashville, it was a night flight. And I was like, all right, they had live TV on it. So I'm like flipping around trying to watch sports just to get your mind off all the craziness. And then I think I clicked accidentally on MSNBC or CNN and they were having a panel discussion and they had a transgendered person on. And, and then they were all like up in arms, like the end of the world is near because I think Montana passed something that doesn't provide for special rights that they'll call, they call privileges, but special rights for that community. And I'm like, really, this is, this is what they perceive to be really, really important. And I say that in context of, of the destruction of the economic freedom of those of you in America that rely on Federal Reserve notes for your livelihood. This is the Federal Reserve that set, was set up in 1913, the Federal Reserve Act, that went to destroy the economic monetary independence of the United States, where the, the Coinage Act of, uh, was it uh, 17, let's say 18, 1790, oh, my numbers are getting messed up right now. I apologize. I got lots on my mind. Uh, Coinage Act of 1792, that's what I think it is. Uh, but basically, they described a dollar, you know, as is defined in gold and silver, and at the time, of course, a gold uh, ounce was, an, an, a, you know, in the 1900s and or 1920s was a $20 piece until uh, FDR declared an emergency in 1933. And they said, bring in, turn in all your gold. And then they began to demonic, they basically destroyed the currency little by little over time. Uh, Bretton Woods agreement in the 1960s broke down when Nixon shut the gold window and said no longer convertibility available to turn the dollars into gold. And then it was a kind of a free-for-all. Then it was the petrodollar gunboat diplomacy making you accept it. And again, it's not even American currency. The Federal Reserve is neither federal nor has any reserves. Remember G. Edward Griffin, the creature from Jekyll Island. So all of these things that we talk about in terms of freedom, yes, there's economic freedom. Yes, there's health freedom. And you might say social freedom or other kinds of freedom. But fundamentally, it's spiritual freedom is what I'm trying to get at here. That fundamentally what our foundation in America was rooted in was spiritual freedom. That is the ability to live according to your perception of what God's laws and commandments are. Not to violate the rights of others because God gave us, what, agency besides life. And that's freedom. That's choice. But if you choose to violate another's rights, there's retribution. There's 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 going to be consequence to that, whether it be in a, a, you know, a set of laws that are written into a constitution. And th those go to the basic common law. Going back to the, you know, the golden rule, do unto others, as well as Richard Mayberry boiling all of this down in his book, Whatever Happened to Justice, do all you have agreed to do and do not encroach on other persons or their property, basic concepts of contract law and, uh, you know, civil law. Don't, don't, don't kill people. Don't take their stuff. It's basic, right? We're not asked to do much uh, or not to do certain things. And so we are now at a point of loss of, of freedom. Come on in and, and have a seat. Uh, loss of freedom. And again, fundamentally, I think it's a loss of spiritual freedom, ultimately, that we risk here as they try to mandate our uh, acceptance of certain uh, lives and lifestyles uh, into our own belief system that may not be congruent with our religious or spiritual beliefs. And again, social justice is a much lower form, if it is even a form of justice, than spiritual justice, living according to God's law. And again, everybody may have a different interpretation of that. And I think that's okay. That's part of the plurality of it, what makes America awesome. But it's another thing then when you force people or you punish them for not believing the way you want them to believe. Again, it becomes a religious persecution of a different order. 
the religion of transgenderism, the religion of pharmaceutical, pharmacia, sorcery, etc. Uh, so joining me now, uh, and uh, now the show looks a lot better than it did moments ago, uh, Dr. Andrea Nazarenko. Did I say you that said right? It right? I want to make sure I say it right. <laughs> and that sounds like a, 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 a very American last name, Nazarenko. It It's my husband's last name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he could tell you all of it. And it it's, comes from where? It comes from Russia, Russia Ukraine-ish yeah. area. Gotcha. And you're, these are hard questions. I was told this was going to be an easy no, no, interview, no, no. I, I, and you're asking me, you know, hard questions. I'm a Lamont. I could tell you about my, okay. my maiden name. I'm just checking your, your <laughs> husband's street cred coming from Russia, Ukraine. No, I ask the hard <laughs> questions first so everything else gets easier. Now, you have the Treehouse Living for Happy, Healthy, Holistic Families. We do. Yeah. We really, we we really truly yeah. believe, uh, both Dr. Eric, my husband, and mm -hmm. I, in creating an environment where we could support parents and create a, a world where, well, one, children are allowed to be children and mm -hmm. that they're not caught up in adult issues, mm -hmm. that, that we believe in the sanctity of the innocence of childhood. Yeah. And they deserve a world where their social health, their emotional health, their physical health, their mental health, everything mm -hmm. is embraced and supported and we could facilitate healthy development by really coming together as parents and saying no more, no more to the craziness, no more to the expectations and the pressures and the, the belief that children need to make these decisions and mm. be bogged down with the weight of the world that that they don't need to be. They it, need to play. They need to get, be given good food so that their bodies could thrive. Mm, and instead of exactly. feeling like they're failing in academics, they could be given the supports to succeed like good food and ability to yeah. play and exercise. So that that's the world we want to create. Now, you guys remember a few years ago, I left Florida and you're thinking, you left Florida, but what about you, DeSantis? Well, DeSantis wasn't there. And even if he was there, I would have left. Why? Because we were out running cultural shifts for our kids. I was very concerned. My son had a great, great uh, uh, education opportunity. He had a, a wonderful teacher, the most amazing woman. She's a PhD and she immigrated as a child, escaped Cuba and communism. So she loved America and she taught kids critical thinking skills. Mm -hmm. She didn't tell them, this is what you should think. This is how you can think. Yeah. And then she left the school. My It was a private school my kids were in. And, and my, my daughter's five years younger, ended up coming through that same program and they replaced the teacher with somebody who was hashtag woke. Mm -hmm. And I was like, we can't, no, this is not right. This is, this is what you're talking about. Exactly. I'm like, I want my child. If you, you know, not everybody can homeschool. Obviously I am a big supporter and I encourage you if you can homeschool, that's the best thing. Uh, but there are some smaller private schools where you have engaged aspects of, of the curricula that you're aware of it. Although in COVID, a lot of people learned that even the private schools were teaching some strange stuff. But I, I wanted to give her an opportunity, just like you said, to be a kid. So we moved out west. She started American Heritage and is now graduating next month. I can't believe it. Uh, but she had the ability to be a kid, which is like, can you imagine that in this day and age that you, you I, we found a place? We were led by God for that, and I'm grateful for that. But I'd love it if there were more opportunities for kids, once again, to be kids. Right. Just play, yeah. right? Not playing because you might... Not playing a kickball because you might be the best kickball player that's ever lived and get a college scholarship, right? Mm -hmm. Not, yeah. not, not do imagine imaginative play because X Y Z, but just mm -hmm. play, mm -hmm. just have fun. We forget before COVID, before COVID hit, one in seven children, mm -hmm. which is actually delayed, it's probably greater now, had a diagnosable mental illness. 
that's not okay. The number one, anxiety. Mm-hmm. Our children are anxious. Anxiety is is at its root. Yeah, it's this idea that the world isn't safe. It's environmentally driven. Mm-hmm. The it's the perception that the world around me is a not safe place, and it makes our you know there, there's a whole biological response. But but at its core, that's what anxiety is. So what that tells us is that we are teaching our children that the world around them is not safe, and it's not always direct. Mm -hmm. Our kids hear things. So they hear what we have on the TV. When you have mainstream media on the TV and it's all fear-based, your kids are absorbing it. When they go to school and Mm -hmm. you say you're afraid to send them to school, right? When they hear of all of this crazy violence that's going on, that's what they hear. Unless there's an intentional effort to give them the perception that their world is safe, which is really Mm -hmm. hard in our world today because we all share that fear. Then our ki- our kids aren't growing up in in that world. They're growing up in a world where where fear is the norm, well, and it, it sets the stage for the pandemic. It so. went extraordinarily overt during the pandemic, scamdemic, pandemic. How so? Well, they taught kids that if they breathe, they could kill their grandma. <laughs> you you want to talk about something that is horrific and you'd think that's a dystopian science fiction novel that wouldn't really happen and they did and they they frightened kids into believing that they were bringers of death or that if somebody breathed on them without a mask they would die you talk about a fear-based way of living now you're not saying that the world is always a safe place that's not what Mm -hmm. we're saying but as a parent you want to bring up your kids in a reasonable environment where there's an expectation that they can get through the day uh, you know, without being, uh, you know, threatened with yep. imminent demise or that they are a threat to Im- somebody else's imminent demise. Now, I've been around the world. So I've been a- have the fortune of, of, of traveling and meeting with doctors and, and healthcare people and, 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 and spiritual leaders around the world about um, issues of very much life and death, survival, health stuff. And in certain cultures, like in, in West Africa, they didn't reasonably expect they would wake up in the morning, they would have food on their, you know, they had clean water and they had a, that by the end of the day, it would still be alive. Right. Every day they said, you know, it could be my last day. Right. And I learned from them a great appreciation for this value gift of life that I think many of us in America and the West have taken it for granted. Mm-hmm. It's just automatic, right? And now we're being challenged that it might not be as automatic because of all the economic stuff, all the crazy social stuff causing us to go, well, what realistic expectation do I have now? So it's become a much more traumatic and fear-based society. But for me, it would be, as I saw in those people in Africa, an absolute reliance on divine spirit, the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. In other words, we place so much emphasis on material goods and that well, that we've got our house, we got our this, yeah. we got our that, that we don't need perception-wise to rely on the divine. That, that there's true hope and mm-hmm. belief that mm-hmm. everything is truly going to be okay. Yeah. That that despite the craziness that's going around you, having faith is what could really carry through. I I published a paper years ago, and I was working in the area of youth delinquency, mm-hmm. and I was interested in how our communities, and particularly community level of violence in urban areas, really drove youth delinquency. And on the surface, you'd say, oh well, the more violence in the community, the more likely a kid would be to engage in mm-hmm. in violent behavior themselves. Yeah. And what we saw was that, yeah, that is true. But the mechanism through which that happened was their perception of it. Mm-hmm. So some kids lived in really violent neighborhoods 
and it that violent neighborhood didn't predict their delinquency. They weren't likely to engage in delinquent behavior. Why? Because they didn't perceive their environment as being bad. This was the world that they lived in. Um, the difference between that mm-hmm. was the parents' communication. It was the way the parents talked about it. Just because an environment is objectively dangerous. So I've been in very, I I used to work with uh, uh, children with antisocial personality disorder, conduct disorder. So I was Mm -hmm. in a a lot of dangerous environments. And uh, sometimes, I mean, it was objectively dangerous. A child got murdered across the street. Their police, you know, the probation officers wear bulletproof vests. Mm -hmm. And these were objectively dangerous places. And I talked to the families and they'd say, oh, no, this neighborhood's completely safe. Why was it safe? I mean, objectively, Mm -hmm. it's not. Mm -hmm. But they perceived it as safe. Why? They had social cohesion with their neighbors. They knew if their son needed something, they could go to any of the houses and people were there to take care of them. They Mm -hmm. knew their family's grandparents. They knew each other. They took care of each other. So it didn't matter when the violence occurred. Mm -hmm. They felt safe there Mm -hmm. because of the social connectivity that they had. And so when that happened, the perception of safety changed and the way that it translated to the youth was different. It no longer act at, acted as big as a risk factor. I'm not going to mm. say it eradicated sure. it completely, sure. but it, it didn't act as big of a risk factor to, you know, youth mm. behavior because the perception was different. And it's the same, you know, that's one context, but the same thing happens now. So we lived through the pandemic. Uh, my husband and I had three little kids and the messaging, the way we lived our life was not out of fear. Mm-hmm. So the world, you know, during right. those lockdown times, everyone was afraid. People are wearing, you know, yeah. plastic bags out by themselves in their own car. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and people are afraid. And they see this stuff. Mm-hmm. But we continued to live our life. We continued to go out and to do things and to not be afraid of breathing and, <laughs> you right. know, like yeah. not being afraid to touch somebody or to hug somebody. We continue to live our life. And so when my children look back, they're not as traumatized. They're not they? traumatized yeah. at all from it. Yeah. They're like, oh, that just happened because we control mm-hmm. our perceptions. And we as a family kept the faith that this was going to work out. We know that we are divinely created and we have an immune system and it was going to help us. We lived our life. We were proactive. We didn't need to fear what the news stations were telling us mm-hmm. because right. we just lived it. And, and you, it well, translated this is down. where you get the concept I call of co-creation that God gives us the ability to uh, really contribute majorly in our environment. Mm-hmm. Despite all of the other chaos and fear that's going on out there, you created a family. I won't call it a bubble, but I mean, those are the arguments that, oh, you're in a bubble. But you create a a safe space for the kids within that confine that they can explore the world and realize, yes, as they uh, grow into maturity, that they'll learn about aspects of the world that won't be all kind and loving and safe. But it's part of the process. But you gave them an opportunity to have the baseline of trust. And I look at my upbringing. I'm Gen X where we'd rub dirt in it and go on, right. you know, it stuff doesn't bother us. We had for the most part, um, an opportunity to leave the house in the morning, go out and play all day and come back after dark when you heard, you know, yep. a, a dinner bell, something like that. And y- we just had, and the neighbors looked out for one another and, uh, it changed. Uh, of course it altered my perception of reality, even as I grew up and realized, man, there's some bad stuff on this planet. Right. But I had this baseline where we're not as as rattled by all that we see. And maybe it's, again, it's somewhat of a generational thing with everybody's got their unique circumstances. And then with these latter generations of since that time, the millennials and post-millennials, partly I argue that they have been hammered 
viciously with these experimental injections yep. before COVID. These vaccines have just laid waste to their normal immune system, uh, brain and nervous system, all of these things, and, and a lot of endocrine disruption now resulting in next generational uh, gender dysphoria, yep. which if it occurred before, we had never heard of it. It was so rare, right? Uh, much like autism. You yep. know, even when I grew up now, it's become, oh, it's commonplace. Oh, it's all genetic. It's like, you can't tell me there's a genetic epidemic in the span of one or two generations. That doesn't happen. Uh, so we see these children that have been raised under assault. Yep. Wondering why they have no trust or faith or why they're screaming out with all kinds of strange things that previous generations are going, what the hell? Pardon me, but what the hell is going on? Right. right. And they do it so early in that development. Mm -hmm. They do it pregnancy, pre Pre-pregnancy, we're injecting yeah. mothers with vaccines. We're we're engaging in various behaviors. We're making moms believe that they can't do it, that they can't give birth. You need these medical interventions. We'll come save yeah. you. Don't worry. And then a baby is born and we say, oh, they must have been born with it. Mm -hmm. They weren't born with it. There's an environment. There's a prenatal environment. You inject this COVID vaccine, you injecting it in pregnant women with data showing the risks. And then when that baby's born, we're going to say it was a fluky genetic thing it's not a fluky genetic thing it's it's, it's the fact that we've yeah. in, we've altered the normative developmental process that is god given to us we have taken our natural immune systems our natural physiological functioning mm -hmm. and we have put it on a different trajectory and when you move the needle just a little bit it could end up in a totally different outcome and that's the place we are now and the part that makes me feel sad is is the fact that we're for many people. Mm -hmm. We're so far down that trajectory now that it's hard to, hard pull, to pull back, back. Mm -hmm. and that's where that's where we need to frontier. How do we pull it back? Like there's one there's one piece here that's we just need to keep moving forward. We need to keep spreading the message. We need to keep moving forward. But how do we pull the trajectory back? How do we say no? You shouldn't have been. You know, you're mm -hmm. you're whatever happened, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, you got injected with those. You didn't have control over those as a baby. But if that microbiome, the gut health, you know, if their immune system, if their the way that their brain is functioning and firing neurologically has changed, mm -hmm. how do we embrace that and support that and stop the stop the intergenerational yeah, assault? Yeah. yeah. Well, and that, that's part of what we're here to talk about. And also part of why we're at this summit and this uh, event with the, the Warners, because we want to remedy that on a, a multitude of levels, physiologically, yes, emotionally, mentally, economically, perhaps politically, and spiritually. Uh, so was your awareness uh, triggered by having children, or did you have this going in to have children with your husband? Where was this thought form that came about? Because this has been a passionate part now, mm -hmm. mission for you. Well, I was injured as a child. I got my vaccines and I started seizing on the table. So I was fortunate. Mm -hmm. Again, giving gratitude even in the, you know, even when it's harder. Yeah. Um, I was fortunate in that from the moment I was born, I saw the risks of vaccines. Now, that doesn't mean that my entire life I didn't think I, oh, well, maybe that was just a fluky thing. Oh, you know, like you you hear the mainstream narrative. Yeah. So I was, I was injured as a child and then I healed. I was very... <laughs> very blessed that I was healed. And I lived a normal life, right? And then I, I knew that I didn't want to get any more vaccines. Well, mm. then they came out with that shining, the knight in shining armor, the mercury-free flu shot. Mm. This one must be great. So I was like, well, maybe I give it another shot. You know, mm. it's like 20 years later. So I yeah. 
took it and I was injured again. And mm. I was so sick. And it was really at that point, you know, you, you do something and then you need that confirmation again. Sometimes that, that really, you know, I was a baby. I didn't know what if we were wrong confirmation. And, and I just, I knew. So, and my husband is a chiropractor mm. and functional medicine provider. And we both are, you know, we have a best-selling book in gut health and the microbiome. And so we just understand the risks that vaccine take mm -hmm. on your body. Yeah. And not just vaccines, pharmaceuticals sure. in general, psychopharmacology for mental health, all of these things. And so it we're actually very unique in that it was never, we never even had to decide. We mm -hmm. both just knew that we were going to raise children the way right. that God designed them. We were going to raise them through chiropractic care and healthy nice. food and drinking water and getting exercise and doing the things we're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And they, those children, my children have never taken an even an over-the-counter medication and they are thriving and healthy in all aspects of their life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got two non-vaccinated kids and never did they have an antibiotic even once. Right. So um, it's possible to do it. Of course, you got to marry a chiropractor like I did <laughs> and like you did, I guess. It's the secret. I yeah. guess that's the secret. To, that's the, uh, the, that's the secret to success. Marry a chiropractor. Is your husband still seeing folks? And he is. Them? He is okay. indeed. Yeah. So how do people find him if they want to get help? He is um, Dr. Well, he is Old Mill Chiropractic. Old, old, mill. old mill Chiropractic. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, he's Dr. Eric on Facebook, but off the top of my head, I don't know the... See, I asked you the tough questions You asked again. me the tough questions. All the personal ones are tough. They're tough. They're all the questions about my husband's. Right. Uh, old know? Mill Chiropractic. Old Mill Chiropractic. Okay, y'all look it out. That. Where is that located? It's in uh, Lexington, South Carolina. Okay. That's it. Lexington, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. All right. So where's your really heavy Southern accent? Uh, well, we're, we are, we're originally from New York. You're transplanted. We're transplanted, so, but way before the crazy, I got my PhD from USC. Yeah. So, uh, I never thought in my life that I would be a Southerner. So USC, University of Southern California. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm teasing. No. It's the Gamecocks no. of South Carolina. We were a college before you were even, California was even a state. A state. Exactly. I'm teasing there's her. One, I there's okay. one USC, mm -hmm. no Gamecocks. University of South Carolina, <laughs> right? Uh, so, uh, all right. So, yes, I'm a transplanted New Yorker as well. And I lost my <laughs> accent when I was six when we went to Florida yeah. for a few years. Then I, then I got southernized in Georgia for 30 we, so yeah, we uh we moved down to for my grad school, and I never thought we would necessarily stay. Mm -hmm. um, but it's the greatest place to live in a free state, isn't it? Nice. Yeah, yeah. it's like one of those special things. And one of those uh, things that we're talking about here. And by the way, I think right now I didn't see your, your, a website that you had, so we went to the mm -hmm. um, Facebook page for uh, and it's Treehouse Living mm -hmm. for Happy, Healthy, Holistic Families. And Super Don has added that I think into the show notes. I'm pretty sure he has. So you guys could check it out. And what else, uh, when people go there, can they interface with? Can they learn? Yeah. Can they do? Yeah. So that's our page. And then mm -hmm. we have a few parenting groups. I'm a big believer in community. Mm -hmm. So it's wonderful to be an expert and give information and put it out there. But ultimately, we change our behavior because of the people we love. And it's through connections with other humans and connections with other mothers that we learn things. I mean, this is how we've raised families from the beginning of time. It wasn't mm -hmm. because there was always an expert there to save us. It was because grandmothers would help grandchildren and they would expel their wisdom. Like Super Don is helping his grandkids. Mm -hmm. And right now you see he's not in studio. His <laughs> granddaughter is like seven or eight months and the family's on a trip. So he's like got grandpa duty while he's producing the show. He's amazing. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so uh, part of the reason we're on social media versus websites is because social media, 
despite all of its cons, mm-hmm. is still a place where people connect. I mean, at its core, yeah, take can. the take the corruption out. At its core, it's about connecting each other. So, I see my role as connecting people mm-hmm. and uh, and making relationships flourish, and that's where change happens. Oh, it's beautiful. It's a great mission, and your passion is great. And, you know, going to the level of education you did as a PhD, it, we call that indoctrination often. I call it institutions of higher indoctrination rather than learning. Uh, what you studied, did you have to unlearn to know and do what you do today, or have you been able to integrate some of it as being valuable? I would say that I was very fortunate in the program that I went to. We specifically mm-hmm. and concretely were taught critical thinking. We were expected, I mean, very early on, our first semester, we were taught, you're never going, well, not never, but you will not be tested in the rote memorization in a book because you could always just go look it up in a book. Mm -hmm. What my PhD was based on was developing critical ways of thinking Mm -hmm. and and understanding how to self-learn to create new knowledge. And so... I was not taught or indoctrinated because we were immediately expected to be the the leaders in the space that create wow. knowledge. You know, I don't hear this much at that level. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that still the truth? I mean, what they're teaching now? Because we, we see how much the universities, colleges have yeah. gone woke. Yeah. They're teaching, you know, Marxism and crazy stuff, not critical right. thinking. Now, I can't speak to an entire university or an entire department. Mm-hmm. You know, we were, I was one of seven students in my program and it was relational based with our advisors. Mm-hmm. So I could talk to the amazing mentors and advisors that I had that taught me mm-hmm. how to be a free thinker, how to not go along, how to engage in ethical scientific behavior, how to uphold the integrity of science and nice. not be swayed by mm-hmm. corruption. You know, like sure. we're, I, I'm often NIH funded and still see the weaknesses of NIH, right? Mm, there, sure. There's, there is an ability to see the good in the bad and use that to change it. Mm-hmm. We have to change our systems. Um, but you can't do that mm-hmm. if you're only learning from the systems. Right. And so right. we have to learn how to think critically, mm-hmm. be a critical friend. I always say we're going to be a critical friend. A critical friend is the one who tells you you have broccoli in your teeth, you know? Mm-hmm. We can't get better. We can't improve anything if we collapse to the tyranny, get angry at the corruption to the point where we're stunted. We need to look at it logically and improve it and change it. And we do that by joining together and not... Mm-hmm. You know, and think, thinking, thinking. Imagine that. (laughs) It's unused skill. Um, Now, you've seen probably a lot of people that have gone through institutional learning to higher degrees, and I often call them degrees because you lose your sense of of common, you know, common sense. Uh, Many in the physician community are saying, Mm -hmm. I I can't reform the system. I got to leave it. I got to set up a parallel system, some other system that actually is promoting empowerment and healing as opposed to what the system is doing now. Uh, but it takes critical thinking skills to even arrive at that conclusion. It does. And I, I do think, so one major difference between a PhD and a professional degree in general mm-hmm. is the PhD is a researcher to uh, many times, and it's a sort of that creation of knowledge, whereas a professional degree is how to be that professional. Mm-hmm. And from my perspective, one of the big issues we see right now in the medical field is that we're caught in this reciprocal p- process that we we need to somehow get out of. And that is we have the pharmaceutical industry mm-hmm. funding largely 
the American Medical Association. They're defining what medicine is, and they are training our doctors. So via either uh, influence within medical schools, uh, funding mechanisms that support that knowledge, um, that support that paradigm, mm -hmm. or continuing education. They're sponsoring conferences. They're right. they're they're sponsoring the journals. They're deciding what peer review goes out. They're deciding how it gets. Do we distributed. go into the t the term conflict or conflicts of interest? Right. right. And I think that's overlooked in terms of a lot of the education and curricula within medical school. You know, talk, becoming a professional doctor. Mm -hmm. uh, what have they learned? Have they learned nutrition? No, clearly not. Mm -hmm. And that's why they're coming out going, man, I severely lack the things I need to help right. people today. Through right. COVID, they've right. come to that conclusion. And, and they believe. Mm -hmm. here's, here, here's where it's, they believe what they've been taught is the right thing. And so if I haven't been taught nutrition, that's fine over there. You could see it. But no, that's not right. There's not enough science to support mm -hmm. that. There's, again, that ability to zoom out and go, are you thinking critically? Yeah. Like, of course, water matters. Yeah, exactly. You don't need a peer review study to tell you that water matters for your health. Right. You don't need a randomized control trial for that. And, so, and what of the difference in the way we would go about it, what I call more holistically or naturally, in that I would want to respond to your individual needs and that means if you want to say that substance I've given to this person hasn't been scientifically tested, well, it's not the same as a drug where they give it the same thing to everybody. Right. It's like, no, no, this was meeting that one person's need. So who's going to invest billions or hundreds of millions or even tens of millions of dollars to validate, even though some of these tests have been conducted to validate these things, but to do so, you never make it back. You know, right. And that, that system is set up to invest, get a patent. And then put it, bring it right. to market, have exclusivity and, and profit extraordinarily. And so the system is set up, the agencies are captured, the doctors are captured, and now we are in a disastrous situation from a health and uh, healing perspective. Uh, you know, even as we perceive America, the land of freedom, well, there's not freedom to heal. I've been after this for a long time. The freedom of speech has been corrupted uh, long before COVID because if you could, let's just say, help a body to cure cancer, help somebody cure cancer with no chemo, no radiation, not even any surgery, and you told people and you hung a shingle, the government was going to find you and shut you down, fine you, imprison you, bankrupt you if it could. Yep. And they'll, they'll find you in 24 hours. And yet somebody who's a real danger, whether you perceive this as real or not, Osama bin Laden took him 10 years to find him. Mm -hmm. Like with all the resources of the federal government and they can find you in less than 24 hours because you can cure a disease. Yeah, ten. You know, see what I'm saying about the yeah. what's the values? What do you, what value do you place on healing versus claiming it's more dangerous than a terrorist? Right. <laughs> it's bizarre, and so we haven't sat back to think about those things as we just accept the regulatory state as part of our right. natural way. We wouldn't want the FDA to allow natural substances on the market. People might die. Yet what they approve of is the third leading cause of death. Right. And yeah. and you said something else that I just wanted to go back to because I mm -hmm. think it's so important. And this mm -hmm. this other piece of our medical paradigm right now. So everything we're talking about is how we how we train our doctors, how we give them the knowledge that the institutions want them to know. And that knowledge is largely driven by profit. So they want them to to be a puppet in the, the puppet show mm -hmm. of our medical care system, which right, is right. driving profits. But the other piece to that, the other piece to the paradigm that we really need to shift is that the expert in the room, when you're sitting in a doctor-patient relationship, mm -hmm. the doctor is the expert in the conceptualization of, conceptualization of disease. They're the expert in what available treatments may be there. Yeah. But available treatments 
mean nothing if they don't fit with the lifestyle of the individual. Mm -hmm. If they don't fit, if we've all been in this situation where someone tells you to do something and you think, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do that. Like, there's no way I'm going to do that. The feasibility of that in my life, zero. And it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if the doctor's like, you really have to do this. If it doesn't fit, they're not going to do it. So the real expert in the room is the mom of the child. It's the patient themselves. Mm-hmm. And until we recognize that our medical care system and true health is contingent upon that collaborative relationship where the doctor could express something, the doctor could truly listen to the patient mm-hmm. and the patient could feel comfortable disclosing information to the doctor and collaboratively they come up with a treatment plan. Mm-hmm. But again, we pull back to profits because why doesn't that happen? Because you got 30 seconds in the room with every single patient because the more yeah. people you see, the more money you make and the more pills you, you, you could give out. Steve has a nice comment there. Breathing matters for your health as well, yet it seems that more studies to prove that fact are necessary, right? <laughs> you know, this is the absurdity of what we're dealing with here. And uh, yet the economic structure model has been in place for a long time, a century or more. And breaking that cycle is a little difficult. There's a lot of inertia associated with it. And, you know, I've said that... Um, the good thing about COVID, there are some good things that have happened, is uh, more cooperation, more communication, more egalitarian interaction among all the medical and non-medical healers. And I've experienced that firsthand. Uh, they're open to it more than ever before. It doesn't mean the institutions are going to go, oh, okay, they're the institutions. They're not going to change necessarily. Now, coming at it from uh, your, your knowledge as a PhD is different than someone who's trained in a profession. Now, Uh, We saw that, interestingly enough, during COVID, they did an analysis of who's getting the jabs and who's not. The most reluctant to get the jabs on one hand were like the lowest on the uh, educational scale, high school or less. And the other one was even higher in refusal were PhDs. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) Weird bell curve, almost opposite what you'd think. And in between, everybody else just kind of did what they were told, more or less. And so you still have in, among the PhDs some critical thinking skills yeah. intact as evidenced by that. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. You know, I and I want the other thing I want to go back to is this idea mm-hmm. of needing an alternative paradigm. Mm-hmm. And this is something I think about a lot. I can't say I'm, I'm grounded on it because I totally support this idea. We do need an alternative paradigm. We need a parallel system that supports other people's. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's sufficient. And here, let me tell you why. Because mm-hmm. I I live in optimism. I'm a glass half, half full type. We of need gal, a little bit of that, right? Yeah. I'm like a sunshine and rainbows. I can be I can be accused of that occasionally too. <laughs> Kittens and cupcakes. Mm-hmm. I I don't believe we're so far gone. Mm-hmm. I don't believe our system's so far gone. I think it's broken. Mm-hmm. It's shattered. But there's so many good people out there. There's brilliant people out there. A silver lining of COVID is that we've been brought together. Before, we were all in distinct places living our distinct lives, but you and I are here right now talking mm-hmm. about these issues. Right. Systems can be fixed. They know that the medical system's broken. They're part of it, mm-hmm. but they know that the medical system's broken. We know that the insurance system is broken. We mm-hmm. know this stuff. Mm-hmm. So if we, instead of saying, let's tear it all down to the ground and there's bad, there's bad people and we focus on that piece, it's negative. But if instead we say, how can we improve this? How can we engage in an improvement system that we identify the factors that are problems? So before we talked about the training of the doctors. Well, yes, they they have not received nutrition training. That doesn't mean, and maybe they don't even understand why they would need nutrition mm, sure, training, right? Sure. Like maybe they're really that far along, but that does not mean that if given the opportunity they might hear something. Well, we know that those out in the field that are trying to do better are learning it yeah. be- because 
they didn't get it. Now they right. know they have to. So they're outside of the system. They're outside getting of it. the system, they're getting it. And so maybe if we focus on that and we create mm. systems and avenues, we don't have the mainstream media is not saying it. So look, we have different media. Well, that's why it, we're right? doing this. Exactly. I'm not waiting for them to do the right thing. Exactly. But we could create the systems we want to see and and fix the system that is broken. Well, what's fixable? And I, I'll ask you this question because I don't want to throw a wet pharmaceutical blanket over your, your mm -hmm. statement because I understand what and I have sympathy for, for it. But let's just say the American Medical Association. Yeah. Let's go back to origin point. It was in, in let's say, how we say it? It came out three years after the American Institute of Homeopathy was founded in 1844. 1847, it comes about with express intent and purpose to wipe out its competition, homeopathy at the time. Mm -hmm. And so you have a fundamental starting point mission statement that still exists today, even though it's kind of lost to history of we want to destroy competition. I don't know how to correct that because the institution was founded with the, that purpose. Right. Okay. Or we go to, in a more modern context, uh, since, let's see, but what, what's coming to mind here in terms of founding American Cancer Society, yep. the ACS founded with the intent to cure cancer, but at the same time, if they ever acknowledged a cure for cancer, they would have to disband immediately. That's in their charter. Yep. You got a multi-billion dollar budget every year, and you're now realizing if we acknowledge that there are cures for cancer, which you probably know there are, as mm -hmm. do I, that they would have to disband a multi-billion. So how do you reform that culture in something like that? And again, I'm not taking away the other no, no, aspects. No, no. I'm no. looking at those uh, things yeah, specifically. Let me, let, me, let me clarify. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you could ever fix those two organizations. But right over here, you know who else is training doctors? Institute of Functional Medicine. And I'm not saying they're perfect, but sure. you know what happens at their five day? They talk about nutrition exactly, and yes. mindfulness and they have a lot. They are growing in popularity. So it's not a totally alternative system. Mm -hmm. It's not a new world that we're living over here. Mm -hmm. But you remove the power and influence of the AMA when you have something else that's actually getting to outcomes. Right. Yeah. When you have another organization that's actually helping, because I believe, now I know that there's bad seeds, but I believe most MDs went into their training with some sort of belief that they're going to help people. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with that. And I, so just, those individuals, yeah. mm -hmm. if we could give them the opportunity to learn differently. Now, some of them are lost seeds. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not, you know. Yeah, you're not, you're not delusional but, and you're not naive about no, what you're saying. But so, yeah. what, it's, isn't it worth fighting for? Mm -hmm. It's worth fighting for. It's worth fighting to say, we need to push our are instead of supporting the AMA and the AMA journals mm -hmm. and all of this stuff that we know is like not corrupt is corrupt. Yeah. That is the narrative they want to push. Why don't we invest and believe and follow and put our attention towards functional medicine? Why don't we put it towards homeopathy? Mm -hmm. Why don't we put it towards holistic health coaches instead of more? We have the power by choosing those systems. Go to the chiropractor first. Yes. Right. Don't go. Get, you know, don't go get your first bit of advice from your pediatrician <laughs> if it's a question need, that the chiropractor could help you with. If now, you, if it's not, then whatever, but go to those places first. Yeah. And that's how we change the system because we dictate what we want. Mm -hmm. If we stop funding them, yeah. they can't they, exist. They have to determine how they want to survive. And if it's going to be through more mandates and control over government, then, of course, they're not salvageable. Uh, because the concept of freedom and the innovation that happens in freedom is lost to them. And that's something that's lost to many Americans. I would encourage you to look into the 
reality that freedom di- didn't get us into this mess. For those of you who look at what we got as a mess, it's not because of freedom. It's because of its abandonment, our abandonment of freedom. That's where innovation happens. Yeah, and it's, it's our abandonment of the willingness to take the risk to think differently. Beautifully said. Uh, Dr. Andrea Nazarenko, and tell me quickly, how did you meet your husband? Was he already a chiropractor or was he in school? No, 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 no. I was very smart as a college student because I said to him, Mm -hmm. you know, you'd make a really good chiropractor. (laughs) Take notes, take notes. (laughs) I'm a psychologist. I got a much better end of the deal because I'm like, my back hurts, adjust me. Mm. And then simultaneous, I'm like, let's talk about your feelings. (laughs) Nice. I got the better end of the deal, I think. Uh, We met in high school. Wow, that's so amazing! Yeah, yeah, I love that. That there's a it's great a lot of years for there. me not to know the backstory of his last name. It's a lot of years. Yeah, well, I you're going to get me in trouble after the show. I'm seeing is he look? He looks really mad and angry right now. <laughs> oh, he's smiling happily back there. No, that, you know, all. he's just happy that he has some some. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's got something on me now. Oh yeah, exactly. He needs that because I don't know how otherwise he keep up with you. How can he slow you down? <laughs> So anyway, I hope you all have enjoyed this as much as I have. It's a nice thing. And I, and I think our friend Susie uh, Corgan just got us connected to make sure that this interview yeah. could happen. I texted Susie. I said, Susie, help me out here. I, we got nobody for hour one and Super Don's, you know, not going to be around. I think he just returned. And she says, I don't, I don't know this. how I exist without Susie. So. She's amazing. You yes. want to ask Susie where his last name comes from. I bet she knows. She knows more than you would on that. <laughs> We'll have to check on that. Yeah. So anyway, she's lovely. And I said, you could come on the show, Susie. She said, no, no, I just uh, don't think so. I think Dr. Andrea is going to do it. So she did. And and you're wonderful. Thank I appreciate you. all that you're doing. And I don't know how I kept, I don't think I kept up with you, but if I did, I, I'm, I've, I've achieved something. Today. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's been really fun to be here. You, you can hang out with me for a few more minutes, if you don't mind. There's a, a story here about 500 Aussies now, Australians, have joined the world's first COVID vaccine, um, what do you call it? Class action suit against the deception oh, by the government. How uh, they deceived the people, and there's so many injuries now. It's uh, I think Super Don will show the story if it's if it's coming up here. There it is, and this is uh, in the Defender. Wow. Uh, Suzanne Burdick wrote this. Uh, 500 Australians joined world's first COVID vaccine injury class action lawsuit. Good for now them. It, it's it's sad to me that that it has come to this, mm-hmm. but I've been in broadcast media since 1999, trying to you know as a homeopath almost 30 years now trying to warn my fellow Americans, for instance, about what I didn't know growing up being raised pharmaceutically. And I got, I got to go into, I didn't think I got to go into broadcast media, but I had an ability to communicate this. And I thought, well, I'm just going to keep talking until maybe somebody will figure out that what I'm saying is, is probably important and right for their health too. And here we are all these years later coming through COVID and going, well, they didn't pay attention because they were so afraid of germs Mm-hmm. real or imagined right. that they fell prey around the world, including here in America and Canada, et cetera, to these horrendous, tyrannical governmental lockdown shutdowns. We talked about the fear mongering, mask wearing, mandating shots, all kinds of experimental things. And, and so now we have to come back on the back end and go, how do we make correction? How do we correct things? And, and the question is, do we want to have justice, not social justice, but justice in that everyone gets what they deserve? And this is a tough one because spiritually, I think that always happens ultimately, Mm -hmm. but we don't always see justice within this lifetime, right? A lot of things happen. Why do bad things happen to good people? That kind of thought. And it's like, it feels like there's no justice in the world. And that's where I say, if we focus only on the social or the lower aspects of creation, as opposed to that higher, uh, if I can, or deeper connection to the divine, 
that on that scale, there is always justice, but the perception and the timeliness of it is not ours always in God's time. doesn't mean we shouldn't work for it, but it's really altered when we perceive social justice as the same thing as spiritual justice. Yeah. Yeah. That's really profound. And I think, you know, as, and, and maybe that I never thought about this. And Mm -hmm. I think, I think one of the things that keeps my hope alive and why I don't get stuck in a lot of the, um, anger, like the negative anger. I mean, we're all angry. Sure. No, no, we're we're all infuriated. We have emotions. It's not that. Right. We're all infuriated, but, but, but but I'm never stopped by my anger or stunted by my anger Mm -hmm. because I truly believe that at a spiritual level, justice will come. So it's not my role Mm. to push for justice now, not because I don't want justice now, but because that could make me, that could, uh, stunt me. Well, that it could, could make me feel stuck you, and it can make yeah. me feel angry. Like change sure. isn't happening. Change is happening. Mm-hmm. It's happening. We're winning yeah. this war, but, but we can't get stopped mm-hmm. by our anger at lack of justice because justice will come. Mm-hmm. Justice will come. You know, when I was looking at that um, headline though, the thing, and I don't know what I, I should know, but I don't know mm-hmm. the laws in Australia are. But when I see that and I see a class action lawsuit about vaccine injury, I, I, I do feel mad. You know why? Sure. Because here's the situation where our tax money, our money mm-hmm. went to the creation of a deadly vaccine. And now that it's killed people and injured people, mm-hmm. there's going to be a lawsuit. And who pays those settlements, right. our tax Coming money right because of out, liability yeah. protection. Yeah. We want to change a system that liability protections has, has to go away. People need to be accountable. The sure. justice gets served by by putting it back in the hands of these pharmaceutical industries yeah. that you go to a bar, you have a drink and you go out and you get in a car accident, the bar could be sued. It's the same process. A doctor who shoots a child with a vaccine with Mm -hmm. known risks should be held accountable. Accountable, The pharmaceutical that puts out a drug that was not tested for pregnant women, the the um, the 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 professional organizations. It. I obviously you got me. No, you got me. It's a passion of yours. It's a passion of mine. That liability protection, man. Sure, and uh, of course, here we go. The history of government why our system was set up to be different than that and how corrupt it became. And again, as much as I like Reagan on a lot of things back in the 80s, I remember this one thing. There are other things we can always pick out, but that one thing where he signed that in and said, you know, it's kind of like people that like Trump and they kind of dismiss this warp speed jab thing going, dude, he really screwed the pooch on this. They called it warp speed. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And and, and then, of course, the PREP Act also played on that. The ability of a government, which was not supposed to happen in an American governance system, where you had now a king, queen, or emperor, or an oligarchy that determined certain things the king could just wave a magic wand and you can do whatever you want. You can rape, steal, kill, pillage, burn, and you have no liability. That's the equivalent of what we've witnessed with big pharma. And so it's an abandonment of our ideals in America, not built into the system initially. And that's what, you know, as much as uh, I know it's a tall task to ask to kind of, we call it reform it some way, but to get back to basics, I think that's the argument we're making here. And yes, anger can drive me to action, but it can't be something that I have to live in all of the time or else I would be miserable. I I would be, you know, not well. We're not meant to live in anger and Mm -hmm. anger is an incredibly powerful driver for behavior. We will, 
we will sure. win this war through anger. However, anger could sink you. Oh yeah, it can and be very destructive too. Self-care matters. Yeah. We need yeah. to we need to fill our buckets. We can't just keep pouring out without refilling and and sticking in anger, sticking with anxiety, sticking in depression. Those are all important emotions that we should all feel in this environment. Um, They're all valid for what we're experiencing. But if we don't release them sometimes mm-hmm. or give ourselves permission to release them, yeah. then then we begin to lose. Here's the key, y'all. I'll leave you with this as we wrap up hour one with, with Dr. Andrea. Marry a chiropractor. <laughs> Stop of the story. Marry a chiropractor. <laughs> I did. She did. And uh, then you can get through the anger and, and it'll relieve and you'll be all the better for it. And I'm grateful. What makes me smile is that next hour, my good buddy, my pal, Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center is joining us, and he's hobbled a bit. He probably, we might talk chiropractic with him. He's got some uh, bulging disc something or other. Anyway, he's been hurting, and uh, I'd like to see him well as well. And Super Don looks like he'll be sneaking back in with his grandbaby as we go into Hour 2 of the Robert Scott Bell Show, live from Nashville, Tennessee. Check out the upcoming events tab. We'll go through that for those of you who aren't knowing where we are and why we're in Nashville. And uh, I thank you all for being here. Thank you for sharing the show. Thank you to your husband hanging out in the back there and uh, (laughs) keeping us all maybe even adjusted. So we'll see what happens. (laughs) I think he's just trying to get an adjustment out of this. After this. (laughs) And remember, the power to heal is yours. All right. Well, that was a fun first hour. And uh, not only did we have maids cleaning up the room, then we had uh, whole families come in and uh, join us on the air. Uh, and who knew where it went? But I thought it was great. Enjoyed it. Uh, we talk about justice as well. I Super Don put in a, a, a definition. I'm going to ask him about whose je- definition that was because it involved uh, uh, the destruction of the individual. And of course, all of these ideologies of um, identity, group identity and or quote-unquote rights coming from group identity, which is absurd. It's become adopted as, yeah, of course, that's what it is. And kids are being taught that. And that's the indoctrination. That's not the learning. That's not the critical thinking we'd like to see here. Uh, So we're here in Nashville, Tennessee. Those of you check out the upcoming events tab, we've got a load of other events coming up. I want to give a shout out to my friends at Nutritional Frontiers. Of course, you go to nutritionalfrontiers.com or cbdnf.com. RSB15 gets you 15% off. As well as thank you to uh, our friend Bobbery with his Folium products, foliumpx.com. And uh, that's the stuff that got my mom back on the dance floor. And uh, she's doing great. So 10% off with the RSB10 code, foliumpx.com. And a whole lot more. Good cardio miracle stuff happening here. We'll have more stories to tell, more amazing journeys to share. And uh, Super Don, let me check in with you real quick before we bring on our pal, Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center. How's, how's uh, granddaddy uh, babysitting going on? I have moved the high chair oh. into my torn apart studio. Oh, look at that. <laughs> and I am feeding feeding Adorable. the baby snacks while I'm standing here. <laughs> <laughs> snack, snack, snack. Yes, behave well. Here's another snack. Scooby snacks. Uh, it's right. funny. Um, I, you know, Rachel, the, the gym, the owner of the gym, that's a friend that I go to the kickboxing, you know, she, she, I told the story, you know, getting her on the, uh, Dr. Christopher's hormonal changes within two months, she's pregnant and they wanted to have a baby with her new husband, or whatever. And it's been great. A little quill, they call him star Lord. And, oh. uh, he's grown up in the, in the kickboxing gym. 
And now he's getting to the point where he's just about to start walking. And, you know, it's like you bringing your grandbaby into the studio. Like, it's like, I see it, her like bringing her son into work as a baby. And it's just like normal, except I always complain. It's like what you're exposing your little boy to is this horrible music. Play some Michael Jackson or something good from the eighties. Come on. Anyway, that's just an aside. So, well, yeah. So what's the music that, that, that the baby's oh, it's, hearing? It's, it's a mix of everything, you know, modern hip hop, you know, what those people uh, work okay. out to. I, I'm the old guy. I'm the curmudgeonly guy. Uh, that's young whippersnapper stuff. Yeah. Play some rock. It's just nothing but stages. noise. Yeah. And, and, and Michael Bolden used to put on, um, like parties. He probably played none of the music that I could dance to. I don't know. I've never asked him that because it was before I met him. I just learned about that history. It's pretty You know crazy. what I've been doing recently uh, is is starting to build a uh, vinyl uh, collection. Now that I've got the the portable record player thing going on, I can play records. Yeah. I haven't got the big one fixed yet, but Right? Yeah. So if, so uh, you're you're collecting the vinyl for the time you get the player well i mean i I can play them now it just doesn't have the sound that i want because it's just kind of a portable thing so the Ah, sound isn't you know it isn't that real like through a sound area right but uh i didn't want to wait so is it what like an rca console you got i forgot what that is you remember you don't even Uh, i think it's a magnavox magnavox okay yeah from like the late 60s early 70s yeah older than uh michael bolden it's an antique so it might uh, be how old is Michael Bolden? I don't know. He's like 22, 23. There he is. Look at that young guy in his cool hat. What's up, Michael? Limited edition hat. Yes, it is limited edition. Oh, is that the is that the one with the secret decoder ring uh, message on it? Yes. It's the only one that I'm even aware of. Yay. Okay. So check out the, the think about decoder rings and, and messages on hats. Um, I thought I we were was, just going to talk about vinyl. Well, I guess I know we you totally that. just skipped over it, but check this out. This is super cool. All right. So cool. I interviewed Sally Saxon. Uh, when was it? Not long ago. A month ago. A month ago. And I went into the Nurse Freedom Network event that's happening simultaneous. And she says, here, I want to give you a gift. You know, I'm like, I walk into this room and, and suddenly, you know, uh, Ashley, uh, Greg, just, just like, and there he is, Robert Scott Bell. He's the one that da, da, da. I'm like, good Lord. I don't come in for the accolades. I'm coming in to hide in the sneak in just to hear what's going on. And so... Anyway, I go to the back of the room and she says, I've got something for you. And it's just beautifully folded up in this nice gift bag. And uh, she she made me a pillowcase. Can you read that? Is oh, that that's readable? so cool. And she took the power to heal as yours. And then she put a couple of biblical quotes that kind of support it. I'm like, that is so cool. So nice. I'm like, I, I could have never thought to do that anyway. So thank you, uh, Sally. Uh, beautiful, beautiful. Just nice. Just wonderful people. I, I, I am grateful for these people. And I'm just, I'm not always used to the gratitude coming back. It's great when it is. I'm not complaining, but Michael, I'm sure people have come up to you and said, Michael, thank you for what you do. Are you uncomfortable yeah. when it happens or do you go get more? I'm totally weirded out by it. A little bit. At the same oh, time, yeah. I know you secretly like it, but. <laughs> I mean, I do like attention, but <laughs> yes. sometimes it's, yeah, I mean, it's a little weird. Yeah. All right. Well, we can go back to vinyl instead of weirding out. And, but it's good to see you, my brother. I I, I wish you were here. Seventy-two was my birth year. Yes. I try to pretend you're a lot younger than you are, because you have so a young. You're like fifty. Yeah, just turned last December. It's not possible. Right. Michael Bolden could be a half a century into this journey. Well, I do a really nice facial regimen with a deep pore scrub every night. <laughs> 
And of course, <laughs> when I shower, your, I shower. I remember the lady who you had on a while back, Robert, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, where you were talking to her and she's like, you don't even know how to wash yourself if you're not scrubbing your skin and getting off. So I do that daily. You do a little loofah I, action, huh? Well, I actually have a brush that's pretty. Oh, a brush. Ooh. At first, when I first started doing it, it was too much on my skin. I wasn't used to it. Now it's to the point where I'm like scratching myself right. down and then winding down with a little bit of a cold shower every day, too. You know, the only thing I would say about that, that I'm not going to say it's a disagreement because I understand the concept of sloughing off dead cells and having fresh new skin. If you have just gone into the sun and got that sun exposure, mm. um, the, the the production of vitamin D involves a lot of the oils on your skin. And yeah, so okay. for me, if it's just a recent sun exposure, you want to give it time to you know absorb. So maybe wait 24 hours or you know to the next day to really do that scrubbing. I'm not saying don't bathe, but uh, that's just an aside to uh, that concept of cleaning. I can just say, you know, Sarah, mm-hmm. RSB told me not to shower this week because it's been sunny out all <laughs> oh, week. Oh, that's going to go over well. <laughs> that's going to be great. You're oh. causing problems in my relationship right now. Oh, geez. I don't want to ever cause relationships, especially How's for Sarah. How's my audio on this Sarah. one? How's my audio think, today? Uh, no weird sounds so far. Okay, great. great. Yeah, Very you're good. Cool. What do so, you guys want to talk about? Uh, well, Superdon, you sent a few things. But yeah, vinyl. I, okay, I yes. over it. I was as me. Vinyl. I do you, uh, you, you play records? I used to have so much vinyl that it filled. I mean, I had thousands of records. I was a DJ for years. Oh, and nice. I, once I stopped in the early two, 2000s, like 2002, you I just kind of kept collection. it. Well... It's a tough thing, especially at that time, it was tough to sell. I have a friend who sells stuff on like Discogs and things like that now, and people are looking for it. You can sell all around the world. At the oh, yeah. time, I just didn't want to. And I had a lot of limited edition stuff where producers would come to LA and they'd go to some event that I was hosting and they would hand out white label pressed copies early release of, of songs. And I just didn't want know what to do with it. So I kept it kept it and moved it from apartment to apartment and it was just so unwieldy i gave them all to a friend of mine mm-hmm. who is still in that industry and mm. i said hey you want some of these records and, and I, we loaded up a van and just dumped it off and filled his kitchen i don't oh, know if he even has wow <laughs> when you were doing the parties and the music and all of that stuff before your 10th amendment center uh incarnation if you will same job actually the same thing but was was it vinyl then or was it all digital by that time you no, know how it you... was vinyl in fact we laughed at people who did digital at the time wow cool it was all all analog even like the 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 mixers between the techniques turntables mm-hmm. were all analog really warm sounds cool mm. stuff if i was rich mm. i would load up a studio or something again cool Leslie says Bolden seems really quiet. Are, are his levels okay? I hear him fine. I uh, turned it up a little bit. It was kind of low. But okay. I, I, no problem. Let me know, Leslie, if that's better or if Mike, Michael needs to turn it up on his end. Look at mom's message for Michael. See that? Hello, cute Michael. Cute Michael. Oh, Heart, that's so sweet. Oh. <laughs> See, that's the kind of attention I'm digging. Like, yeah, exactly. I know what kind of attention you want. But yeah, Leslie says it sounds better. <laughs> Okay. So uh, any possibility you can uh, join us in Southwest Missouri, July 14th through 16th for the RSB family union? No. I didn't think so, but I have to ask. <laughs> I was actually scheduled for Nashville last week mm-hmm. 
that's uh, when you got injured that. is that when you got the injury uh, well it's about two weeks ago almost okay. three now did, were you able to go or did you have to cancel because no, of the injury? i canceled yeah this is i can't stand or sit in one place for more than about 45 minutes at a time but i'm going to try for an hour today okay hey do you know our, our mutual friend tom woods had a homeopath on and it wasn't me recently I'm not happy about that either. Dude, and he even said, because somebody sent me that. There can said, only be one. He even there said. There is only one. He said, my friend Robert Scott Bell, I should have had him on. I'm like, duh. <laughs> like, all right, what is it going to take, Tom? Anyway, consider yourself called out, Tom Woods, uh, not having me on. I love that he had a homeopath on, and she's a real. That is pretty cool. Liberty was she good? Lady. I didn't hear the episode. Was good. Yeah, she's a Mises fan. I mean, she was a, a oh, libertarian before a homeopath, so she had real street cred in, in being grounded in you know these principles. Mm. But she was also a homeopath, and she I, she did great. I thought it was wonderful. Super cool. I just enjoyed it. So it makes it makes it easier for me when I go on Tom's show. I won't have to be. Tom a, has really. Stuff. Tom has really like taken massive steps in that Hasn't realm. He? Yeah. Yeah. I. It's not that I think he was. I think he just didn't grasp the impact of it mm -hmm. of the the natural health world versus w in regards to his opposition to state power yeah. and then uh, clearly and i saw in an email that he sent a few days ago mm -hmm. he's really seen how some of this has played out obviously with the lockdowns and yeah. all the propaganda that we were given and i know you guys highlighted some of that uh elon musk bbc interview a while back a couple yeah. weeks ago right Oh, yeah. It was it was amazing how the question from the media to Musk is basically, oh, well, you've had disinformation. And Musk is like, well, so have you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, Heard what we of... do is we put out as much information as possible, but they like to control it. And I know Superdon wanted to talk about censorship today. Yeah. Well, and kudos to you, Michael Bolden, because all those years ago when, you know, the 10th Amendment Center, the, the tour that was going on nullification tour, that you invited me along. And I don't know if you were aware of the the libertarian crowd that didn't like certain aspects of who I was in my message, not in my message. They so still much, exist. Yeah. They, I realize they do. But again, to your point to see um, Tom Woods go through what he's gone through and it's taken the pandemic scamdemic to help people see what I've been trying to say about this. And I um, think Tom was always kind of open to hearing it, but just didn't under, didn't grasp the impact of it. And then he saw it play out before his very eyes. And now he's like at the forefront here, mm -hmm. really kind of pushing this uh, kind of thing out to more people. Yeah. And, it, and it's not that I'm saying that the libertarians were into censorship. They, they would just be very vocal about, yeah, well, I like the freedom thing, but hey, that homeopathy, leave it aside or a something. A little insane. But, yeah. It's a yeah. little crazy. But the, yeah, the censorship industrial complex, there's a Brownstone article about this. And, and you know, we've talked about the military, the medical, you know, the pharmaceutical industrial, all these industrial complexes. And now much of it is part of the, they're all connected. I mean, if you yeah. think about it. It's one control grid and uh, has different departments. Of course, they want to control what you say against the military empire. They want to control what you you can say against the pharmaceutical empire, et cetera, et cetera. As long as it doesn't interfere with their power, it's okay. But that's mm -hmm. the way it's always been. I think it was Samuel Adams at one point who said, there's nothing more dreadful to tyrants and their supporters than a free press to the founding generation a free press was essential and i think that's why the powers that be today like a controlled press rather than a free one mm -hmm. yeah and, and the thing is to you to your point there's a lot of things that are controversial but if they don't appear to be a threat to a certain power structure 
it's like, yeah, we'll let them have their, it's like, okay, it's controversial, but who cares? But if that controversy can limit or reduce in any way the power that has been established through often deception and monopoly and censorship, then of course, then that censorship machine kicks into overdrive. And we saw that more than ever uh, during the last three years or so. And prior to that, I had been on point on saying, hey, it already exists. Long before COVID, I was talking about freedom of speech issues. And then and then there was the commercial speech issue. This is where Jonathan E. Mort has battled in the courts all those decades yeah. too. He understood that censorship of the speech was an unconstitutional usurpation of, you know, basic right that was never meant to be delineated, right? Free speech, but commercial speech is different. And, and uh, you know, I've witnessed this because of what I've decided to do with my life going into natural health and medicine, if you will. And many people didn't realize that we already had a censorship state in, engaged through the oligarchy. Especially just in the simple thing of labeling supplements. I mean, in and of yeah. itself, uh, you can't say something does something, even if you have studies, unless you've gone through the tens of millions of dollars of uh of FDA different phase trials mm -hmm. to go through their process. It's really stacked towards the established kind of status quo. Yeah. So it's a great it's a comment long... in the chat though. Facebook, Steve one? McCaffrey says those who follow the news are informed. Those who believe the news are misinformed. <laughs> I don't, I've not seen that one. He says it's a Mark, Mark Twain, Twain quote and whether it's uh, you know, a lot of times quotes, who knows if they're real or not, but the, the, that's cool. The message there is spot on. Yeah, it is. Uh, the You know, the censorship industrial complex, it's always been around, but it hasn't affected the broad uh, base of America the way it has, because it was a narrow focus on, oh, those natural healers. Or those I would point out that even at the time of ratification of the Constitution, we saw a lot of the same type of thing. And in fact, uh, the Federalist supporters of the Constitution in states like Pennsylvania, most specifically, there's mm -hmm. some interesting history by this uh, historian who's passed away. Pauline Mayer did a whole history book on the, the ratification debates. That's really interesting to read for the general public as well. And she tells a story about how the Federalists actually used threats and, uh, you know, sometimes a little bit of violence against printers that they did not want to publish the anti-federalist viewpoints. Just shut out your opposition mm -hmm. has been around all along. And I think that's why there's so many uh, statements from founders like Samuel Adams or Benjamin Franklin, who said, whoever wants to overthrow the liberty of a nation has to start by first subduing the freeness of speech. And if Franklin was very straightforward in that, that language there, he's not saying if you want to shut down the liberty of a country, you have to shut down freedom of speech. You just merely start by subduing how freely it is spread around. Mm -hmm. And so, so these types of things have always been around. I think we're just noticing them more and more because the, the way it's being used is really impacting us. And we also shouldn't be surprised that whatever we've gone through in the past is going to be worse today and even worse in a few years. We're talking about how Oh, well, they generally don't try to shut people down unless they can really impact the system. But will we say the same thing in 10 years? We might be laughing at ourselves for being short-sighted. Well, as soon as they've got the, the, the system in place to do so, we should never be surprised because it's a maxim of all history that power always seeks to expand and grow. Yeah. 
I mean, I just want to run for president and 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 stop all doctors from speaking anything ever again. I, I'm all into this censorship thing. It really is. If it's you work. ever run for president, I don't know. We're not no, going to hang out that year. Not not going to happen, <laughs> folks. Um, I, I we lost another good one. Right? No, <laughs> I enjoy too much doing what I do, and, and and Michael enjoys doing what he does. I believe in the midst of all of this, and you, you know, you've maintained your good humor because it's part and parcel of who you are, which I love about you. In the yeah, people of- in the media always ask me, they'll ask, I mean, the establishment media, oh, are you a lawyer or uh, are you going to run for office? And my response immediately, at the first time I did it, I just, it, you know, I my mother used to always say I had a problem with diarrhea of the mouth. I just, whatever goes in my brain comes out of my mouth and my brain mm-hmm. sometimes is a little fast and mean. Yeah. But the first thing I would always say to people, and I still will, is, lawyer politician no 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 i still have blood running through my veins i'm still human (laughs) yes exactly don't ever lose that that special side of you or that special thing that is you my friend uh so um the the injury if i might ask you how are you doing how's your recovery are you doing anything extra can i help in any way what's going on it sucks yeah you're still suffering aren't you well, okay, so I've I've been struggling off and on with some back issues due to personal abuse. <laughs> That's really kind of impacted me in late mid to late 2019. And then I was doing so well with my recovery that I got a little sloppy and I wasn't really paying attention to my posture as much. I wasn't doing my core exercises every day. Uh, and then I went through a period of like two, three weeks with a bunch of family visiting, and I just was not taking care of myself. And I have to recognize that it's a really slow process once you've damaged a disc. Mm-hmm. And I re-injured it. Yeah. And I am having some troubles. But I would say where I'm at after two to three weeks is the same place I was at about four to six months the first time. So I feel okay. like, <laughs> like yeah. I'm using lots of lumbar support. I'm... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm doing all kinds of core exercises, trying to stabilize my spine L5 S1. So it's nice and strong and resilient. So uh, it, it, try it, not to sit very much. I've got a standing desk that I wasn't using. I was using as a sitting desk. Okay. So I'm doing things like that. Lots of walking, uh, to act like a balm and just make everything feel nice. And I just have to be really strict about it. So we're talking about, um, lower back lumbar. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I remember, and I'll share this story many, many years ago before we had kids. In fact, I, we were in Stone Mountain, Georgia. We had our house there and, um, I went out, um, I don't know what was, the day was like, but the, I was, a bike was, was laid on its side and I went and reached down just to pick the bike up, you know, just an innocent little move. And I went down with the pain of a thousand suns of oh, fire yeah. in my low back. And I was like, I'd never experienced such pain. How old were you? Uh, let's see, 20, how old was I at that point? 27, 28, 29, maybe 20, probably closer to 29. You were just abusing it and you had some swelling and one little thing added up like bending over puts like just literally the act of bending over puts so much sheer force on that lower back. As my wife described it is like, you know, years of micro, if you will, fractures, uh, you know, poor um, posture, as you point out, yep. all of these things played out in that one moment. And it wasn't that one moment that did it. It was the everything. Now that was the culmination, right? 
Now, there was another thing uh, that I learned emotionally in terms about, or even spiritually about it, that that lower back was about support. And I was, you know, challenged at that point from in young adulthood, you know, making the step into, you know, stepping up to that next level of functionality in society to, you know, to earn a living, to care for a family, to be married, all of that. And there was a lot of fear associated at that point about the future. Would I be supported? Would, so if we look at the emotional things, I'm not saying that's the same thing for you, Michael. I'm just saying that's what was a, a, a when I self-reflected, like, and you do that and you say, you know, I did this, this, this is beautiful. How many people will go, oh, somebody else did this. It's not my fault. Oh, right. Right. And you're like, you knew exactly the things. Oh, that, no, I was definitely getting yeah, lax. Masterful. So, but I, I wanted to go deeper and to go, what the heck was that? Because this was just so weird that it caused yeah. me to ask all of those questions. And, you know, I was able to recover with chiropractic care and other things, yeah. arnica and all of that. And, and then I said, I never want to have that happen again. And I had to really work on my emotional ability to f- not fear the future about support systems, things like that, that were scary to me at that time. And it, it, it's nothing I'll never forget. And, and that, there was another thing that I, I referenced to that too, because I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, not short, not long after we finally, my wife and I got, she got pregnant, you know, we've been working on wanting to have baby, you know, and Elijah came through that. And I, I think there was some things that I had to burn up before that the was the first even one turned out pretty good too, right? He's all right. He's all right. And the, the second one is ridiculous. Usually the first try, you're like, ah, let's yeah. have a do over. Right. Yeah. No, he came in with stuff. Like I said, he's our <laughs> firearms expert or a gold guy. Now he's doing amazing things. They're both awesome. We talk about being born into Zion in a sense. You know, I've told everybody, yeah, I'm not shy about that. I'm happy to share that. Uh, my kids didn't get birth certificates. They don't have social security numbers. I didn't want to number them. You know, I said, when you're 18, you get to decide you're an adult. Uh, but I didn't want to put you into a system that you had know nothing about that you have to claw your way out of kind of like, you know, it's sort of the matrix movie concepts. And, uh, you know, to his credit, he's, he understands the concepts well enough to where he didn't go, you know, it'd be a whole lot easier just to go into that system and on and on it goes. And there have been challenges that he faces that others his age don't, but I'm very proud of him. I would think, right. Banking is always an issue. Oh yeah. 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 And and I, I brought this up to you because we, you know, fought with the help of a, a pastor, uh, and everything to regain our religious freedom to mm-hmm. get uh, passports renewed that we had already had with no no numbers, no social security numbers. And uh, in the past month, I might have sent this to you, I don't know, but the State Department changed their policy right on the website yep. for religious accommodation. They haven't I changed. I think we talked about it the last time, the last bi-weekly yeah, we may have. I was on the show, which was, I think, a month ago now. And, and they haven't changed it on the actual physical form yet. And, and mm-hmm. Pastor David, my friend in Virginia, is fighting to make sure that, that it's not just about him or me or us, that it's really setting the stage for the you know federal government to do what it's required to do. In other words, to accommodate religious beliefs uh, in that context. And, and so doing the right thing or what I perceive to be on principle is never the usually not the easiest thing to do. In fact, it's the most challenging uh, and many people give it up for convenience sake. It's too inconvenient to actually, you know, I'm, I'm not going to die on that hill. We've heard that story before. And I, I recognize I have certain things that I'm like, eh, whatever, it's not important. But those things that just are core principles to me, I just, I, I could try, I could pretend or even imagine compromising them. And I'm like, ooh, I get physically ill. It doesn't work. Yeah, but freedom is not, freedom ain't free, right? Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a great Thomas Paine quote that I love from the American Crisis number four. This is maybe mid-1777. Mm-hmm. He said, those who expect to reap 
the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigues of supporting. Of course, he was urging people to push on against the British Army, the Empire, uh, with all odds stacked against them. But really, when you think about it, it gets down to anything and everything. If you really want freedom, sometimes it isn't super easy. And we hear this a lot at 10th Amendment Center. We hear this a lot regarding our support of sound money, gold and silver as money. Even people who are on board with it are like, well, what am I going to do? Like, carry this around? I mean, they immediately are like, well, what can I do that makes it the easiest? Well, Mm -hmm. we'll tell them things sometimes. Well, your options are either use the thing that helps support the largest government in history or make a little bit of effort to try to find an end run around it once in a while. Every small step is an important one. But yeah, it's tyranny is very convenient, especially when you live under the the biggest empire in history, because changing things is not, is, is very difficult. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I, I keep coming back to the quote. I can't remember it. You always know it so well about gaining, you know, the ground for liberties gained. Oh, Thomas Jefferson, reverend to his friend, the Reverend Charles Clay, uh, April 1790, the ground of liberty is to be gained by inches. We must be contented to secure what we can get from time to time and eternally press forward for what is yet to get. And why? Because Jefferson understood that it takes time to convince people even what's for their own good. Mm-hmm. So you can tell people over and over and over and over, hey, less government in this area or no government in this area is better. You can show them books, you can show them videos, have them listen stuff, but until they actually see it play out that way, Mm-hmm. It's hard to convince. Some people learn by reading. Some people learn by watching. Some people learn by doing. We have to also understand that as well. And a lot of people don't learn that, uh, you know, life is going to be better without government in the way in most areas, if not all of them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, by the way, I'm tweeting uh, uh, Tom Woods on this. He should be he should know we talked about him. It's very important to him as well. So <laughs> I'm put, putting that thing out. Thankfully, I'm not banned on Twitter. I don't know what Elon Musk did or did not do regarding that, but we're still uh, banned on uh, YouTube and Spotify and LinkedIn at this moment. So there's, you know, we talked, we started talking about censorship and in social media and these various channels. It still exists, even though it's like super stupid and ridiculous and obvious. uh, They still haven't backed off on it. So despite the fact that you think people are aware of it and how wrong it is, there, there hasn't been a real groundswell against it. Uh, by certain segments of the population that seem to have a, a, a significant impact on maintaining its presence. I think uh, most people are just living their entire lives in fear. I mean, I know one thing that sticks out from you that I've heard you say many times, is don't live in so much fear that you like don't end up living your life. And sometimes I find myself in that, that space, not in regards to the political world, but in some other personal things too. So that's kind of a reminder, but so many people live in fear of other things, fear of hearing the wrong thing, fear of being exposed to the wrong books, being shown the wrong TV show, being, uh, listening to the wrong politician or the wrong group. And so instead of just saying, you know, the solution to speech that I disagree with is more speech, they just want to shut everybody down. And the same thing goes 
Uh, it's the same argument for prohibition, whether it's on speech or a gun or a plant like the cannabis plant. When people don't like stuff, instead of just saying, I want to educate people and try to convince them that my view is correct, that what they're using or talking about is bad, and I want to convince them. Instead, they want to get the power of government to come in and force people to shut up, force people to stop doing things, force people to stop using a tool to protect their lives yeah. and their family and their property and things like that. And fear is a very, very powerful drug. Sure. Well, and, and, and there's also an aspect of immaturity in that regard. It's like mm. you can't handle the information. So you want somebody to protect you from it. And you're going to do use the It's like, did you ever leave mommy and daddy's basement? I, I, you know, Man, I mean, you're going to get me going. <laughs> yeah, you know it. And, and then I'm I was supposed to be nice on Fridays. Well, last hour I talked about a little bit about the concept of justice and Super Don dropped in a, 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 a definition of justice i don't know whose it was and i and i think that the real definition is everything everyone getting exactly what they deserve but i talked about it in terms of social justice versus spiritual justice and anything in between what and about hl Mencken's justice which one was that well he said democracy is the theory that the general public knows what they want and they deserve to get it good and hard good and hard right super <laughs> do you have that definition of justice you can show on screen uh and uh, yeah the, I think you, I think I see it there. Maybe you just click it and we'll go full screen with it. All right, we got to go smaller in that uh, so I can see it all. Uh, this is justice. social justice, by the way, oh, not just was. justice. Do yes. you actually look for the definition of social justice? I, it's just on the internet. It was just, okay. You know, can you make yeah. it smaller or not? Because I can't read the whole thing. Smaller? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, you tell me if I'm missing something. Justice in terms of the distribution of wealth, opportunities and privileges within a society. Individuality gives way to the struggle for social justice. So it strengthens my, I say argument, but my sense of the social justice thing, it's a collectivist concept. Destruction it of is. the individual is necessary for this. Well, it also requires some overlords to determine like who gets what. I mean, it really, it requires a total tyranny. And that's what they're begging for. And then let's say they get the people in power that do it the way that they want. Let's say the people who want the social justice and everyone to have, I guess, is it equal distribution of wealth, opportunity, and privilege? Equal? I don't know if they're saying completely equal, but even mm -hmm. if you move towards that, as soon as you give someone the power to do that, mm -hmm. you've also given someone the power who hates you, the power to take it away completely. The, the yeah. danger is the power. That's not the right approach because power is the deadly one. Equality. This is an interesting thing. Equality. Uh, I remember I gave the, I was one, I think there were like three of us that gave the commencement address. I wasn't summa cum laude or anything, but for whatever reason I was chosen. I don't remember why at high school. And I remember working I on this not. speech. Yeah. I remember work. Cause I, I honestly, I wasn't a straight A student. I did okay, but I was never enthralled with getting, I, I wanted to do okay. I just, just wasn't obsessed. I had friends that were obsessed with all A's, you know, that kind of, it just never interested me, but somehow I got that. And I remember working on the speech and, and with my speech teacher, English teacher, Mrs. Brown. Now I'm just going back in my memory books. And she was right. I was writing at one point, we're all born equal, da, 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 you know, one of those basic platitudes. Uh, and she looked at me and says, are we really, are we really born equal? I was like, Oh yeah, I know. She pushed back on that. I'm like, well, that's interesting. And I think but about it that. still sticks with you today. Oh, it does. And I think about that's in, really cool because a teacher that can, a teacher that even if they're, they are coming from a certain perspective, 
-hmm. if all they're doing is encouraging you to think yeah and you still think well just a just a couple years later Mm -hmm. right that's all it's been yeah and and even in the context of that speech i thought and i I changed it i remember changing it over that realize and i didn't have i think the depth and breadth of what i consider more spiritual grounding in this context of equality Mm -hmm. because if i believe we are created in god's image again that means something different to everybody but that on on some level i'm a divine spark of creation as are you michael bolden sparkly as you are uh yet at the same time i recognize that look at your own my own kids right both unique, different talents, strengths, weaknesses, as have I and as everybody. So we don't come in with equal, you know, inclinations or talents and and people excel in certain things that you're like, how do they get that at six years old versus, you know, working a whole life? And so that concept, again, of social justice and equality and that, there isn't that. There's there We all have talents that are quite unique and different and, and deficits that are quite unique and different. And yet that's by design. And, and, and so that this this artificial attempt to make everybody equal, I think, goes against the natural order of the universe. Now, this is not me arguing for some sort of supremacy for certain people over others. That's not at all what I'm saying. But to engage in this discussion and realize, just as that teacher, my English teacher, God bless Miss Brown, saying, are, are we really born equal? And it really caused me to think about that. And it's, it, and it's just, uh, I think it's profound. It doesn't mean, again, uh, uh, uh a concept of uh, superiority over one person over another. That's not where I take it, but I know some people might interpret it that way. Now, being the ex-lefty that I am, <laughs> I can actually appreciate where a lot of the social justice warriors come from. Mm-hmm. Like, society is kind of screwed up. I think a lot of what they point out as far as problems are often, you know, I can see the truth in it. And, but I think what they're looking at as the source of the problem and the solution of the problem are incorrect. Because I think the source of the problem is centralized power in almost every situation. Centralized power has caused a lot of problems, has caused uh, you know certain people to become entrenched power brokers in society. And they want to break them down by using government. But government's the one who put them there in the first place through the regulatory state and the like. And using the people who created the problem to solve the problem is only going to ensure that the problem gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah, you're right. Going to the same, well, let's say remaining in the same state of consciousness that participated, if you will, in in creating a significant issue or problem that you perceive is like, wait, this is wrong. Let's go to those same folks and ask them to solve this problem. They created it. And I said, you know, many times about um, the question of, authoritarianism within the medical community. Many or most of the majority of the medical community, I can say this with with no degree of hesitation, got everything about COVID wrong. And yet even today, what is our media and, you know, medical and of course, uh, government complex saying, let's go to the doctors to solve this problem as well. They're the Mm -hmm. ones we want. They're the experts. And I'm like, dude, they got everything wrong. They've been getting everything wrong for decades on this particular issue. Not that they're not capable of learning beyond it. Mm -hmm. Some have. But this is the idea of, and I don't know if this was an Einstein quote or but not. But that was more of a political issue. And that was also the power of government, throwing yeah. money around to local public health offices, Department of Homeland Security, the CDC. I mean, this is, a lot of it 
is a problem of centralized power. You have a group of people making a decision, whether it's AMA or CDC or whatever, and they're saying this is the policy that everyone's going by. And so everyone down the, uh, downstream says, well, this is the policy that the CDC, the CDC says this. And I remember there was a point in there somewhere mid-2021, suddenly the CDC had a different viewpoint than this public health authority. And it's like, well, uh, if you're going to get censored for being opposed to, for example, the CDC or the WHO, what happens when they contradict each other? You create these kind of unworkable situations. And I don't think the media, or the I mean, I get the perspective of saying social media companies, they, they're run, they, they can shut down whoever they want. It's unfortunate that most of society is okay with it. Because if if society in general were thinking like you and I, like what? They would have all exited from these platforms and a different actor in the marketplace would have provided them. I mean, there are other ones out there, Getter yeah. and Gab and Minds and some of these other platforms that are out there that do okay, but they don't have the size and scope of Meta and Instagram, Facebook and things right. like that. How, and how that, I think, is more of a problem of the general public being okay sure. with the censorship regime. Yeah. How is the the reach of the Tenth Amendment Center and your uh, Path Liberty presentations? Are you still doing three times a week? How are you doing through I the am. injury? I am. I just okay. have to. Yeah. I got to do some core exercises, and then I get up and I do my streams. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we're doing great. We're doing great. I mean, it, the fact that we're reaching more people than we're capable of communicating with is a good thing and a bad thing. Good thing <laughs> for the organizational's health and well being. Bad because that just means we're dealing with a lot of garbage. Yeah, I mean, you you mean the garbage feedback coming back at you, or some other garbage? No garbage. That is the largest empire in the history of the planet. Yeah, I mean, right. domestic and foreign. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was seeing that one of the articles Super Don found was about the IRS hiring gun-toting agents in all fifty states. Like, I guess, I guess the history of tax collectors. I mean, they always had the what the king's uh, guards with them probably you know it's the threat of violence loss of freedom loss of life even to, to extract whatever they could from the people until they said enough too much the stamp act 1765 was just a few mere pennies and some people were taking the position should we risk our neck over this and john dickinson the penman of the american revolution he was the most widely read guy on american liberty up until publication of thomas Paine's common sense in 1776 so in response to the stamp act he put out a pamphlet urging people to not comply even though it was considered just a small tax he said, soon as you do, soon as you comply with the act by using these stamped papers, you you uh, you fix, you rivet perpetual chains around your unhappy country because you establish the detestable precedent. Soon as you give them a precedent to exercise some power on one thing, eventually they're going to use that and expand it into more and more and more. And I think that kind of gets back to what we were talking about as far as how much censorship do they do today mm -hmm. versus how much could they do. The tools are in place and they're building more AI-based tools yeah. to make it more powerful. Did you see, we uh, we talked with uh, Emort about this, the Supreme Court case, and I even brought up, of course, it's 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 dangerous relying on the Supreme Court to get it right, but, you know, as much as they get it wrong, they can get it right, too, on the case of, uh, you know, FTC, FDA, these oligarchical agencies going after you, and you can go now 
you can the the the, the deference they gave now suddenly is like yes you can challenge the constitutionality in the courts i don't know what it'll change ultimately but we have been living under an oligarchy in many ways and uh, much of the freedom that i enjoy or would like to enjoy is restricted if you will by those agencies the freedom to communicate i made a decision about the way i go through life right having a show where i don't have my own products i don't sell anything and i've suffered let me say that in quotes economically because i could have done a lot better had i done that but i made a conscious decision to say no because then i will have to compromise my speech because they will come after me and shut me down if i have a product that i'm speaking of so i said you know what i'm not going to do that because a speech is too important to me and so to some degree i see this as a small little victory i know it's not the end of it all. i'm not familiar with the case yeah, it was a recent Supreme Court, and it was a 9 nothing ruling, Michael. That doesn't happen often. And Kagan wrote the majority opinion, which was everybody's opinion. It was basically that if if there's a, you know, a, let's say an FTC, FDA, or whatever challenge, one of those agencies, that you now don't have to go into their kangaroo court where you're guilty until you can never prove yourself innocent, where they have 100% success in terminating your rights. Uh, you now can challenge it in federal court first instead of exhausting remedies. And then after you're exhausted and bankrupt, then you can go into the courts. Right. So it was a significant like we're no longer you guys are out of control. Like when can I ruin this? Can I be cynical and ruin it? Of course you can. (laughs) Of course you can. I mean, that's what we're here talking about. That's why I wanted to bring it up. We like it when the courts do something that seems to be correct. And I, again, I don't know the details on this. I'm taking your word for it. It's mm-hmm. a positive step in the right direction. Yeah. Thomas Jefferson had a little something to say about what defines an oligarchy. And to him, an oligarchy is allowing a court to have the final decision about what the Constitution means. That is what he called, quote, the despotism of an oligarchy. Because what you've done is you've put the fate of your liberty into the hands of uh basically five unelectable, unaccountable, politically connected lawyers to say whether or not you're going to be free, tell the people what their constitution means. And ultimately for Jefferson and so many others, real freedom is when the people learn how to exercise their rights, no matter what government happens to say. Mm -hmm. So I would say I like it when the court takes a correct position every few decades. (laughs) Right. I mean... No. Uh, Lysander Spooner in 1850 wrote a, uh, a paper called The Defense for Fugitive Slaves. And in it, he had this whole section railing on the federal judiciary where he basically said, I can't think of a situation where they've ever limited the power of the federal government in 1850. They were basically, he was seeing them as a rubber stamp at that point. And every now and then they get something right, and that's positive. But as long as people continue waiting for the courts to do the right thing, mm-hmm they're going to continue seeing government get bigger. Yeah. Well, as I said, it, it was a fascinating thing to see it uh, happen at all. I mean, I was like, I would never in a million years expected that, and that would be a 9 nothing decision. Again, acknowledging yeah. what you say is like, I'm not waiting for the Supreme Court to determine what's constitutional or not, but it does alter the way you can interact and may put a, a little bit of a bite to the um, you know, these agencies that are an- as anti-freedom as anything that, that have violated, you know, what we call separation of powers, the ability that Congress can make law as opposed to an executive branch or, or you know, this conglomeration. So it's incremental. It's a step, but I don't Maybe. know where it leads. Ultimately. I think the real increments come from when 
I mean, we already see this happening and, and various issues, but when people just start doing stuff like CBD as a product, I mean, you mm -hmm. can't have it in food. The FDA still says it's illegal to put in a food, yeah. uh, it, you know, but people are doing it constantly everywhere. And to me, that's really what it's about. We just need to see that on more things. Yeah. Well, and look at, um, you know, my friend, Bobry, who I've, yeah, I don't know if you've interacted or seen him on, I mean, originally from what they called Soviet Georgia and then moved to Israel and then came to America and brought this amazing folium product, uh, this super, I keep calling it a Chernobyl level antioxidant because it is that powerful mm -hmm. and it's botanical mix. It's a blend. It's unique. It's just amazing. And truth be told, there's even a lot of science to back up validating it. And yet, here he is in America, he comes to America and he's just like anybody that's come that has lived under authoritarian kind of Soviet type rule or communist rule. He appreciates freedom more than most Americans that oh, were born yeah, here by so. far, by yeah, far. Yeah. yeah. And, and yet he has to be careful about what he says about his own product, even if it's factual and validated by yeah. a number of scientific journals. And this is where he more, you know, has, has staked his career on it, beat, trying to beat back the oligarchy on these issues. It's like, good Lord. These people are doing really good work. They've validated everything and you're still going after him. He was just outraged. And now, you know, the attack and assault on individual liberty, much less liberty in a, in a business scenario has now driven him to go, I got to run. And, you know, we support yeah. him to do that. The uh, whole system is just there to protect the established interests. They mm -hmm. don't like challenges to what they're doing. I mean, small upstart businesses that yeah. are putting out a quality product that people can try and then word of mouth they're like wait a second i feel so much better <laughs> well they don't like that no i mean hey. you've talked to so many times about how we've got basically sick care yeah you know they're not they're no one's being taught how to be healthy they're just patching yeah, things up covering right. stuff up painkillers so you don't think you're sick anymore but you're still getting worse you're not addressing the root cause it's amazing and that just makes me. them lots of money yeah, it does. I mean, they actually create. I'm a capitalist pig, but yeah. I mean, I could see how the monetary motivation in there yeah. would encourage them to kind it, of. It's brilliant, but sinister. Yeah. Um, Super D, I think we're almost out of time here. Uh, we got a bonus round coming. I know a little bit. Um, and I'm going to still doing the Friday fast thing, doing great, having a good time here in Nashville. And uh, I just. We haven't know, talked about food. Can we talk about food after this? Hey, how about. Um, Boise. Can you be in Boise June 1st and 2nd or 2nd and 3rd? Boise. It's not far, right? I've never been to Boise. The We the Patriots. I've been to USA Boise. Event. It's great. It's Boise's gorgeous. Yeah. It's so gorgeous. I'm just going to throw out cities and maybe one of them you'll go, okay, I'll meet you there. How about Las Vegas? I, could, I told my brother I couldn't even go see him this weekend. Yeah. Well, I understand you're right now, but I'm thinking that you're going to be better. So, all right. Hold on, y'all. We got a like positive vibes. Hold on. We got a bonus round coming. Super Don, if you're ready to to hit the uh, the the so-called end of the show thing, and then we come back for the bonus round. I think Michael Bolden will stick around. And we might have a surprise guest I see connected. I don't know if his audio is going to work, but I'll try it. It's the bonus round coming up. Come on down to Nashville. See us at the Sheraton Music City Hotel this weekend with the Warners. They're a great health and freedom uh, wellness expo. And uh, we'll be back for the bonus round after this because the power to heal is yours. So uh, what's the key to get Michael Bolden out of L.A., even for a little bit? Uh, is it, hey, Michael, can you meet me in Las Vegas and we'll go have an organic Indian dinner? Is that enough to do that? Not even that? 
you didn't even hesitate to say no. What's up with that? You're just so so awesome where you're now living. You just don't Irvine is the best ever anywhere. Why? I don't even see Irvine. Yeah, I know. My work schedule is so intense. But but most come, people when come, they most people when they hear my work schedule, they're like, no one's that busy. Yeah. I hear that constantly. I guess because my work schedule causes me to go places. So I'm still working. I turn down through. most event requests. Yeah. I haven't learned uh, how to do that yet. Well, I like doing it. And I was a club promoter for years. I love being in crowds. I love organizing yeah. events. Yeah. Uh, but the amount of work that I, I have to do before and after, mm -hmm. most of the time, it's just not viable. Uh, well, by September, maybe. No? Give me a few months to think about it. Las Vegas. September in Vegas? Yeah. I know it's hot still, but. That's actually the time of year that is actually somewhat possible once in a while. Okay. Okay. Look, I got something beyond just an automatic no, which I'm, pleased, <laughs> yes. you know, I'll take it. I'll take it. Leslie says, Michael's full of no's today. <laughs> He's like a two-year-old. No. My mother no. always taught me to have very clear boundaries. Yeah. Hey, Grandpa Super Don, open your microphone. I think you're holding the baby. What's going on there? Look Aww. at that. Adorable. And so is the baby. Yes. <laughs> you know how hard it is to put on a set of headphones like this with one hand? Oh, my gosh. It's impossible. How did it's you do very that? difficult. I, I can't believe that it, baby but... was able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> she's That's growing great. fast. Yeah. So well, She's I, I, good with audio gear already. Look at apparently. her. She's like, we need to add some compression. Yeah. So talking food, let's see. I got something called the Wild Cow vegan restaurant organic place in nashville organic and vegan is very early yeah so organic wine i'm not gonna whine i do enough whining on the air like some cheese with that wine yeah i'm looking here the quotes here love the customer service love the organic true taste of the french quarter dip the au jus that sounds amazing. so beefy tasting i don't know uh, we went to the uh, uh, Urban Market, H-E-R-B-A-N, in Franklin last night for dinner. That was how I, you know, my meal before I fasted today, and I had a big old meal. I was, I'm good. Do you load I'm up? Hungry. Does that actually I, ruin your fast? Do you, like, double eat? Because that's what I would do. No, I mean, I don't normally, but then Kevin, or my buddy Kevin, tells us, you ought to, you ought to eat a lot because you're fasting tomorrow. I'm like, okay, I just needed the excuse. <laughs> Leslie's fasting. She says, no talking food because we're fasting today, too. Yay. Um, no, we can what's talk to because we can't. What's technically a fast? Anything over 12 hours? Well, I mean, the argument now of intermittent fasting, it could be, you know, I used to not be able to go an hour without eating. So technically right. you're lengthening the time between eating. So if you get right down to it, a fast is the time between eating. But obviously the intent would be to expand that. Um, remember, Chris, I'm about 15 hours every day, 15 to 16. Yeah. Hours I mean, that day. qualifies for what they, I guess, consider intermittent lengthening that time. Yeah. Uh, Super Don, remember Christopher Key? Of course. Christopher is here. And I had looked at him. I'm like, where did Christopher go? And he's like, he's on day 40 of a 40 day liquid fast. Oh. Now, just to upset everybody's appetite, he says the only thing he's drinking is water. Don't Cardio say it. miracle don't and his own. No, don't say it. Don't just don't say it. <laughs> what? You don't. Oh, I know. I know what you're going to say because I know what he does. Yeah, he, he's, no. he's drinking water, cardio no. miracle, and, and lemonade. 
Okay. Or or apple juice. The equivalent of, but not really, yes. Or at least it looks like that, right? Cayenne yeah. pepper? No cayenne pepper that I'm aware of. So uh, Michael Bolden probably knows what it is, and he won't say it because Superdome won't let me. But basically, he's like 40 days in. Today is All right. Well, you know I, what? Here we I, go. Mercedes. That's the only kind Merce of therapy that I think we should all Mercedes be doing. is saying, yeah. she's asking, yeah. what can you drink and still fast? So what is it he's drinking, Robert? Oh, Leslie put it in there. Yeah. There it is. I'm not even saying it. It's right there on the screen. Ew. <laughs> Ew. Yeah, like, exactly. does he ever miss? I don't think that's how it happened. <laughs> I, I tried to explain to him. That's that's quite a compliment. I mean, I mean, it's either a compliment or a, or a uh, insult, depending on. Right. I, I just remember. <laughs> Sorry, guys. There's... Um, I'm gonna have to go here yeah. to the feeding station. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, I told oh, him you boy. can make it homeopathically, but uh, anyway, that's. Well, you can make it however he wants. What did you say? What. <laughs> You could make it what? How? Homeopathically. Oh, homeopath. Yeah. No. No. Anyway. But yeah, I mean, there are liquid fasts. Some are dry fast, but you can't go 40 days on a dry fast that I'm aware of and live. But, I've done uh, juice cleanses, but yeah. like well, that yeah, doesn't you have to count because you're still, you're still, you're still, well, and I've done a juice cleanse. I still, still get sugars and calories. Juice. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's probably still around seven to 900 calories a day. And the most I've ever done on that was five. The first time I did one, uh -huh. by the third day, I was breaking out everywhere because mm. I had so many toxins in my system. Right. And then I couldn't even, <laughs> the amount of times I was going poop after not having any solid food in my system for three mm. days tells me, oh, that's when I was like, man, I got a digestive problem. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, look, if for those of you who can, fasting is a very powerful discipline that can help you physiologically, but it can also help you emotionally, mentally, spiritually, all of these things. Economically, too, because you're not going out and paying for food for a day. How about that or longer? So if you want to go on an economic fast like they did, I think, in uh, Venezuela after they ate all their dogs and cats. I know it's horrible to say that, but I mean, that's how bad it got down there in terms of their socialist experiment. And yes, embargoes also played a role. The governments of the world don't mind you know, saving the world for democracy while starving and killing people. I, you know, again, the hypocrisy knows no end in that regard. Uh, but uh, we try to we try to speak through it. Hopefully you see it and uh, can do better once you know better. So what's for dinner there, Michael Bolden? What are you going to have later? It's two o'clock. Oh, oh, you're right. Man. I'm in the, you, you know, know, you're, you're, you're one of, you're like us. It's dinner time. What do you want for dinner? I literally just had breakfast. I don't know. Wow. What do you want? I had a for I had a rice bowl uh with uh some liquid aminos mm -hmm. and cauliflower and broccoli and then I covered it in some mayo. <laughs> nice. Mm. Very nice. And super D, you're on your own. So what are you doing like having bagels all day? I time? actually have yeah. subscribed. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of the the meal kits. You know, that you can you can have delivered to your. Oh, your did door. you find a good one? We were just looking for one I, for Sarah's I brother. I did. It's called Clean Eating to Go. Is hmm. it organic too? Or it's no? a combination of organic and and clean natural. Okay. Uh, non-GMO, no additives, no preservatives. They probably follow um, the, the Dirty Dozen Clean Fifteen rule too. It, basically, the way I understand it, they've got a you know like a group of chefs or whatever like that that will will make the food mm -hmm. and uh, prepare it, 
and then send it to you and all you got to do is heat it up and eat it and it's clean wow. and and it's pretty cool wow. actually hold on just a second i'll show you i'm looking okay. at it right now and while you're while you're there super done he can't hear me now i was just gonna say how much how much the calories in the cardio miracle per serving if it's on that label that's what i want to know like, as well it's like 20 isn't it it's it's barely not much anything. i know it's it's minimal but Anyway, I know that you're still doing the cardio. I was laughing way. when you guys were talking yesterday about ten. Is ten. Okay. Wow. Yeah, so I do not... two scoops instead of doing it twice a day. I always do two scoops once a day. Um, but I was laughing because you guys were talking about how the powder was so fine. I thought I was alone. Every time I opened that thing up, I would start sneezing. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. even if you don't see it, because I think the particles are just so They're fine. So, so fine. I open it up and I'm 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 yeah. way back here. And that's what John said that they re reformulated that uh, with thing. the new formula with the yeah. new with the monk fruit. It's he's yeah. changed how fine the powder is too. Right, we talked about it yesterday. How it doesn't yeah. have that poof anymore. That's what Super Don was so happy about too. So look at that, Super One Don. You have the you have the new the new formula. Yes, and and it used to make me sneeze every time. I, I was we were up. just talking about yeah. that. This, how about this and, one? Not anymore. No, this one you don't sneeze. Yeah, because I it's sneeze free. I definitely go into a sneezing fit every time. You need a sneeze guard when you do that. Oh, that's eat clean. Oh, so it that. shows up in these. These are individual meals, and you can uh -huh. see there it's uh, no refined sugars, all natural, non-GMO, antibiotic free, farm to table, preservative free, hormone free. Nice, good quality. It's, yeah, it's just a, a complete meal, you know, mm -hmm. with a a protein and a. Tell me you, you don't know, nuke it. I don't, but you can. Yeah, I'm sure you can. This just... one, I believe, looks like it's the the sea bass and rice. Oh, and just looking at that. Oh, wow, yeah. but is it, is it freeze dried? No, it's prepared, uh -huh. sealed. They they send it to you in a box with dry ice. Oh, so everything okay. is cold, and you pop it into the the, the refrigerator. Wow, and uh, you just bring it out and oh. you throw it in a throw it in a skillet or in the oven yes. and heat it up. So, so it's Sarah's Sarah's brother just did a toxicity report with a with a natural doctor in Missouri, mm -hmm. and he was he's scoring high on all kinds of mold yeah. mm -hmm. and uh, glyphosate, and so there were like ten different things that he's showing toxicities for, and the doctor said you gotta you gotta like first you gotta move out of where you're living. But now you got to start eating organic. So we were literally because he just he'll go eat wow. fast food, and so yeah. we were this is looking super at, simple. We yeah. were looking at trying to find a, a delivery system where we could yeah. Just send this is the box. first one I've found that is like this, where it's literally. I mean, it takes all the all the work out of it. It's yeah. just like it's made, and like I said, the fact that it's farm to table, you know, and it's it's non GMO. A, do they have an affiliate program? I don't know if they do, but I, I actually I, we just got these. I haven't even had one yet. And so okay. I'll probably have well, that's start. good to know because I was just researching that too. Yeah. So, cool. anyway. so you said Sarah's brother got told by a doctor he needs to eat organic? Yeah. Wow. When does that happen? Well, Sarah found this doctor. And I'm not nah. sure if he's an ND or he's a natural practitioner. He's something in the realm that we would go to. And he mm -hmm. had been going, uh, so he had all this swelling in his arms and his wrists. And uh, he went to uh, just a regular conventional doctor and they put him on a, a steroid. And he, the pain was going away, but his symptoms were getting worse and worse and worse. So she was like, you want to try maybe something a little different? 
So he did a, a toxicity test. Mm. Uh, they did a mold test. So they found, uh, I'm assuming Leslie's asking if he's near St. Louis and I'm sure because they live in West County, just outside of St. Louis. Okay. Um, Dr. Seth, I can't remember the guy's name, but, uh, well, maybe so they she did, could send him to the RSB family union. They're not far. They're probably very close, right? We should mention it. Yes. Um, that would be cool. but yeah, he I said, eat organic. Friends. He literally said one of the things is you got to eat organic. Wow. That's really cool. You never I hear that, right? That's something shifting, man. Something shifting. So don't tell me that there isn't change and there can't be change. I mean, that that's where we get into the, you know, everything's toast. It's over. There's nothing to do. I'm like, I, I just decide, you know, it's not a fun or good way to live <laughs> in, the, in that everything's bad and it's never going to change. Like, why, why bother do anything at that point? That's just not my well, nature. Can I give you my view on that? Yeah, of course. So I'm a little more cynical. Yeah, I know. I, know. I mean, I believe that, you know, when I hear people say, you know, we're going to win this. Mm-hmm. I agree every time. I just don't know if it's possible to win it in my own lifetime. But I still kind of believe that, well, not kind of, obviously I do. I still believe that it's a duty to try to do something about it. It's like, you know, duty is ours, you know, let the Mm -hmm. chips fall where they may. We do what we understand is the right thing. We exert ourselves in support of the cause of liberty, whether we can achieve it or not. Yeah. At, you know, at the worst stage is we don't achieve it, but we set the foundation for future generations because otherwise then they have to start. And it's like, if we're going to do the right thing in our own lives, we have to build something for the future. That's not my definition of cynicism, honestly, what you said, because I'm with you. Short-term cynicism, long-term optimistic. Yes. And and I've I've been loath to make predictions on timeframes ever. Yeah. That's always the thing. I was like, I see inevitably, you know, I could fill in the blank and believe that, but I'm like, the timeframe, I have no idea. There's so many people that predict it, whether it's a Nostradamus or, you know, whatever it is. I'm like, dude, we don't know the timeframe. You know, things can shift all the time terms of yeah. i call talk about consciousness can consciousness shift quickly well yes. it could take years to shift quickly if that makes sense but when it hits it's sudden it's suddenly a sudden event that's how john adams described the american revolution he said never before in history had 13 clocks struck as one at this one moment but it took years to get to that it was the real revolution was a change a radical change in the viewpoints of the people over yeah. a period of maybe 15 years that was the real american revolution mm-hmm. the war for independence was something that happened after, after. that yeah exactly so that's the thing about the consciousness shift doesn't mean everything changes. It means yeah. the, the people are willing to now do what it takes, that next level of what is it going to take? Let's assess it and, and move forward because we think it's that valuable and that worth it. Are you getting a free adjustment today? I'm going to try. I, I didn't actually offer. I kind of, you know, you say I trying to s- sampled myself in there. I that, noticed everyone seemed to have gone. They, I mean, they all left. I'm going to like, dude, really? And there were two chiropractors back there. So I'll have to see right. if I can go down and, and uh, uh, weasel a, an adjustment out of it. I think I could probably get it or get it done. Um, so just tell them how, you're not a believer in the in the practice and you want to see if it works first. <laughs> yeah, if I want to check it out. Test this chiropractic <laughs> thing out. I heard it's kind of crazy, but I'm willing to try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. What a lovely time we've had, Michael. I just so enjoy having you on. And I'm so sorry you're suffering the way you are, but I know that 
you know you what see to this do smile to yeah it's a painful smile like my <laughs> wife can give with her pain. i'm actually <laughs> doing i thought and i had told i had texted super don i said oh i'm not sure if i can stand straight through for you an hour it. i may have to yeah and i actually feel fine but what i'm doing is i'm activating my quads and mm -hmm. i'm doing well i'm not squeezing my butt i'm doing gluteal palpitations would be the technical term. you're not squeezing your so butt. what i'm doing is i'm taking so much of the stress off of my lower back just mm -hmm. i'm sure you know my... it's a funny thing about back pain is like mm -hmm. you know you will literally figure out some like magic combination of things where you can like <laughs> it's like okay now, I, now i'm not gonna move you know yeah, yeah that's right my legs are literally like stone it's... right now but they're yeah they're really i'm doing some isometrics right now it's a hundred percent true you will just squirm around till you find like that perfect angle and then yeah do your best i'm going to be healthier when this is all done though i think how how is sarah beth caring for you what is she doing or does she say you know what you did this to yourself you're on your own what does she say i feel horrible for her no she's got to do a lot more to keep she's help you it. right i yeah. literally i just purchased her a vacuum for her birthday finally and someone a, else and a vacuum alone. and a vacuum operator oh i give okay. it to her because i'm yeah, like this is gonna save because she's been mm -hmm. sweeping i'm like i'm gonna start doing all the vacuuming with mm -hmm. this brand new vacuum cleaner i'm gonna save you 10 minutes a day i added it all up i'm like that's <laughs> <laughs> 3652 minutes a year whatever the number right mm -hmm. how many hours is this gonna save you now she's doing extra because she's doing my part of it too so i feel bad about that but she's been so kind she's making yeah, me food all it like oh. i like making my own meals she's definitely taking care of all kinds of stuff for me i try to do stuff and then i'm like uh oh shooting pain can you help and she always is just it's awesome. I'm very lucky. You are. She's great. She's a love. I hope I never have to return the favor because I just never want to see her in pain. Mm. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing about pain. It's, it, when you love someone, you don't want to see them suffer. At the same time, how much control do you have over it? And and oh, it's it's hard. That's you know the the great lesson in what they call detachment. It doesn't mean you don't care. It just means that, you know, if, if, if you care so much that you destroy yourself in the process, you are no help to someone who is actually in pain. I so, figure that will be me. Yeah. <laughs> Being strong. Absolutely strong worthless. Like, I'm ruined because she's in pain. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's called yeah, yeah. codependence. Mm -hmm. It's codependence. Codependence. I've heard about that. <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, what a wonder. I'm not trying to rush you off or anything. I love that you're here hanging out, but I'm always sensitive to your time frame and now your pain to make sure we're not going to be. I feel great. I'm going to do some core exercises. Sarah's with our parrots right now. When she's done, okay. I'm going to ask her if she wants to go for a walk because it's beautiful and sunny out. So I'm going to do a little exercise. Okay. I'm working slower on everything the last couple of weeks. I'm just taking more time and then mm -hmm. just doing the best I can. So, but thank you for mentioning that. Yeah. Well, All thanks right, for being on the show in spite of this it all, is so know? fun no i'm kidding there. i've been looking forward to this for days <laughs> i'm like i'm gonna do something normal nice. yeah yeah well dr andrea was fun too she she was a good discussion with her and uh you know you can't always talk to a phd but she was a real human being she had experience she shared it blood in her veins still blood yeah. in her yeah. veins that was nice enjoyed that and we had some fun um and Super Don, those sounds are awful cute. <laughs> He's making right he now. He's the happiest. Baby yeah, look at her. Ever. She's a happy baby, huh? Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Always happy. Always smiling. I see her looking at the screen. So I'm giving her a wave. I love Can you wave? It. 
By the way, I want to remind y'all Monday we have our we are going to reveal the antidote. I'll say the antidote. We already have the antidote for glyphosate that enter DMG, but the, oh, right. the replacement for it. In other words, there is now out of Australia an invention that was made, and it's a biochemical process that's non-toxic to any environmental beyond its ability to if you don't like certain weeds and you want to use something like Roundup, you don't have to use Roundup now. And it's equivalent in terms of efficacy, maybe even more efficient and non-toxic to the environment. And I, that's Monday. That's going to be one of the biggest shows as far as an important topic because it's one thing to try and get people to stop doing it. But then they say, well, I have to do it for my job or whatever I'm required to. You better come with something that they, that's an option. Now, for the first time, I actually have an option to say, not only you don't need to use it, we have something that's the same or better, same price, and it's not toxic, poison, cancer-causing. So I'm excited for Monday's show, really, for that reason. Wait, replacing the Nutritional Frontiers product? No, replacing. I apologize. Glyphosate. I wasn't clear. The Me glyphosate too. Roundup, right? When we yes. want to talk about, hey, you know, do you really need to use that on a school? Or do you need to use that at a golf oh, course? Oh, right? as, like, so so people aren't getting... Uh, the toxicity yeah. in the first place because you're just replacing its usage right because right. you know but once you have it in your system that's the uh, the enter dmg right yeah so yes that will help to uh, part of the process of un undoing the damage but yeah uh, what i'm saying here is that the hard part of telling people that you know require to use that product for instance for a living whether a landscaper in yeah. certain areas is to say don't use it and you're like i really wish i didn't have to but i i got no other option right so yeah. what i'm saying is that we now are coming in with the other option. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I didn't know that was possible. Honestly, it's like than, the gold yeah. back. Yeah, exactly. A real option uh, yeah. that can replace your reliance on a federal reserve note. I'm using it regularly and I, I want to use it more regularly, uh, but we have to change behavior. And we also have to have the option of like, well, what do I use instead? My mercury dimes, silver dimes. Yeah. You know, so Here's the thing is changing behavior takes time, like you said, but it, it also takes us doing it as opposed to talking, just talking about doing yep. it. And uh, we can all probably do better there. Lead on, my brothers. Yay. And sister. All right. Super D, thanks for uh, making it happen today. Yes, thanks sir. for Michael thanks. Bolden for stepping it up in the midst of your painful experience. And uh, you are loved. Yes, Mom loves you. Leslie loves you. We all do, and uh, we love Sarah Beth, too. Tell her we miss her, and uh, if you're not going to come out to a city near me, I'm going to have to find a way to get to you before September. But if September in Vegas works, y'all check it out, the Bi Biomed Expo. There's a bunch of events in the upcoming events tab. Please take a look at them. Say thanks to my friends at foliumpx.com with the RSB10 discount. Uh, also, Nutritional Frontiers, Cardio Miracle, 15% off, and they've got the new formula. If you haven't tried it yet, RSB. Uh, it's a discount code there. And there's that tab that Super Don made for all of that. If you're not sure, like go to choose to be healthy. What do you use? RSB5. And you can get all the good stuff that we uh, utilize here ourselves, much less want you to use as well. So I'm about done. I think I can. I think people what are, are going up for Sunday. Oh, my gosh. You know, I better record somebody for Sunday because I didn't think about Sunday. Did I? Nope. I didn't either. Oh. So let me know. We can do an encore if we need to. Okay. But. Uh... If you have the opportunity then all right we'll see what happens then for that okay sounds <laughs> good all right well thanks guys appreciate it you guys are the best this was fun Sorry, one more time say bye say bye can you wave bye this is the best it. come on
You this can do is it. the best. Say bye. Is he us doing it? Hey. This should be the promo from bye. now on. Hey. Bye. <laughs> No, She's like, look it. what I'm making them do. Turn their back on us. Oh. Like, I, can, well. I can get yes. All I need is a click and a snack, and I will do whatever. That's oh my it. gosh! All, All right, right, you guys, well, roll. Love you, brothers. All right, see you back here on. Uh, let's see, we got a new weeks. show on Monday, and uh, two weeks for Michael, wherever we're going to be, and uh, looking forward to it already. Right. Already, I'm glad it. to be part of a live remote. My favorite. Awesome. Have a good weekend, Take guys. Care, guys. See ya.